0: With your powers combined, we are Fan holes. Go,
1: go, go Fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our impressive bodies. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> and one of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always.
1: We've already got a me. We don't need another me.
0: <laughs> oh boy, a sheer episode!
1: Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just wanna know who is the consultant. He
2: <laughs>
3: no! I have no honor! <laughs> Nobody's gonna relate to a, a talking chat that eats lasagna. I'll
2: okay. do it, but I wanna be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fanholes should we like go crazy?
0: How does my stupid boy? sound
1: beautiful like 10 times sexier good job no one gets us because we don't explain it hey folks and welcome back to fan holes uh this is mike i'm gonna be your host tonight and uh tonight we're doing another like sort of re- live reactions show that we've you know we've done a few of these in the past and uh you know i think you know it's a it's a tried and true formula and it's easy to prepare for and like we usually have a lot of fun doing it so uh tonight we're gonna be talking about our favorite, like, live-action TV show, like, intros. And we'll do the, you know, usual thing of one honorable mention, and then we'll, like, you know, keep taking turns and do our, you know, top five favorites. But uh, who is with me tonight? I'm still stronger, faster, more alive. This is Derek, Derek WC.
0: Hey, this is Justin.
1: Hey, guys, this is Tony,
0: and I was taped in front of a live studio audience.
1: But whenever you talk, there's like canned laughter in the background. <laughs> um, I have a button. Oh, <laughs> and when, yeah, whenever we call, you say something uh, ribald that goes
0: "woo." I always like that little Family Guy joke. It was like interracial kiss. Oh, okay. I
1: just like, like
3: it when when people hoot and holler when I make out with my girlfriend. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I said. But yeah, you know, like I said, uh, you know, we've done, you know, we just did one for like animated Western intros. We did one for anime intros. And yeah, this one, it's like, you know, as Tony kind of said, like shows that are like, you know, either, you know, live action, you know, sitcoms filmed in front of a live studio audience and whatnot. Like, so. But, yeah, like we'll take turns, like you know i I guess I'll go first, you know these'll we'll start off with our honorable mentions, you know this I guess this would be you know either our number sixes or stuff that just didn't quite fit in the top five. My honorable mention, um, I wanted to represent this franchise, but I was positive that one of you would also pick something from this franchise, so like I picked something relatively new and something i liked and you know derek's usually like you know oh i can't pick anything new because it like you know it hasn't had time to breathe yet but uh i i am usually okay like you know doing that. i'm like you know what i'll probably like this forever like I'm, I'm i'm confident in making that judgment but uh yeah so i will post this in the chat and then we'll watch it and then discuss it space All right, well, I just posted the opening for uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and I was pretty confident that none of you would, like, pick this. Like, I figured if any, all three of you, I was, like, you, all three of you are suspects to pick a Star Trek opening. So, like, I was, like, if they pick one, it's not going to be this, like, new thing. So, like, that's why I picked this as my honorable mention. But, like, I, I really like this opening. I really like the theme to this show, and I think this is, like, the modern version of, of like you know star trek the motion pictures like glamour shots of the enterprise or whatever it's like you know this is the the for the you know current youtube reaction generation of like you know like when you know people first saw the millennium falcon and the force awakens trailer they're like it's the fucking millennium falcon well, like this opening is like it's the fucking Enterprise, yay! Like you know, let's clap. Like and like you know, I like it. I mean, you know, the the CGI isn't the greatest or anything, but I like I, I think you know it's the the music really like sells you know the 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 premise of the show, which is like I think back to basics, like sort of Star Trek adventures or whatever. And you know, I I really like the theme. Like I've got it on my like I listen to it every so often on my phone. Um, I love that shot of like the Enterprise flying over that cloud. Like, I think that's really super epic. And yeah, like, and I, I generally like the show. So, like, at, what are you guys gonna like throw me to the wolves or something? Or like, what what do you think?
2: I'm not. I think this is a really great opening. I I really like the visuals of this, and it, it speaks to one of the things I like about New Trek, or or, or at least Strange New Worlds is. You know, and this goes for Tony too, I assume. Like I, I'm a starship guy. I like, you know, Starship porn, I guess for whatever that term means to you. But um I love all these like new shots of the Enterprise, like seeing it against this like green I don't know what that is. It's like looks like some kind of like green asteroid or something, but you see the Enterprise at like this odd angle or the you know, the cloud shot that you're talking about you see all these great compositions and, and in the series too you get to see the Enterprise move in ways you've never seen before and I mean I love all the old model shots from the different series and the movies but I also like seeing things in this way too and like you said this the CGI is not always the greatest like sometimes you're like okay you could have probably spent a little bit more time on this shot but I I appreciate it. I appreciate you know what they're doing with the series and this opening. So I, you know, I, I'm glad you picked this.
0: Maybe my eyes are just old or whatever, but I think it looks great. I think it looks really fucking cool. As far as I go, I do agree with you, Justin. Yes, I, I do like me some good old uh, Starship Prawn. I, I've I've been one of the big you know detractors of like how the the ships look in New Trek. But this is right up my alley. It's detailed, but not overdone, not over overly complicated. They 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 did the enterprise justice. They did they did the old girl right. And um, you know, as far as like, you know, I remember that, I clapped. I, I of course like the the little sting at the end with the 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 you know, the I don't know. That's just that kind of helps bridge the gap between Pike's Enterprise and Kirk's. So yeah, dude, no, no, that's a, that's an awesome choice.
3: I would like to go now. No, I, um, I, I I think I'll just say for this, like I'm kind of used to like new shows, not even trying, you know, like most shows like that are modern don't have intros. So by just by the sheer fact that there is an actual intro, like puts it like a leg over like most TV shows as far as I can tell. So I'll give it that. So.
1: All right. Uh, then uh, I guess, uh, Derek, you go next. All right. Bust out your
3: tomatoes. This, this was that that was your honorable mention, right? We're doing honorable mentions. Yes. Uh-huh. OK. All right. Get your bag of tomatoes ready, people. It's coming. Um, I just need to pull it up here.
2: Do it
3: so i just posted the opening to the television series sitcom out of this world and this is where mike inserts the spot clip about you know uh you may find that uh, having a thing is is not so desirable as wanting a thing. Because as far as I know, this has never been released on DVD. And I totally want it to be released on DVD. But if it was released on DVD, I would watch like, you know, two episodes of it and stick it on a shelf and it'd get dusty. But I totally love this show. I watched it tons when I was a kid. I probably had a crush on Evie Garland, uh, who is the lead character that could pause time with, by putting, you know, her two... Index fingers together because her dad was from outer space and her mom was an earthling, and I, I feel like there's somehow Zach Morris fits into this because you know I don't know maybe Zach has some of that alien DNA because he can like pause time too or something. But anyway, uh, I dig this show. Uh, probably I'm guessing of, of the of the three of you b- at best, Tony's probably the only one who who watched this. I'm guessing, but I I'm, I'm ready to be proven wrong or. Dodge uh tomatoes like George Bush dodging a shoe. So let's go.
0: Well, I, I, I'll I'll be the one who gives you the calm before the storm. I totally watched this show. I, I'm pretty sure I probably had a crush on Evie. But yeah, I have no problem with this. I mean, if you're going to steal stuff, at least steal Buck Rogers stuff. I give I give them credit for at least you know <laughs> trying to make it look spacey. <laughs> um. But no, no, it, it, it like for for us old heads, you got an old classic song and they, you know, reworded it a little bit. They revamped it. And just like I remember when I used to watch the show, the one part I always used to like was like their bodies come in lots of different shapes. Uh huh. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> <laughs> so, no, you, you get no tomatoes from me. This is yeah, this is definitely from my childhood, too.
1: I never watched this show, but like you've made a reference to it a number of times. So, like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, right. That's Bob
3: my code girl. for time traveling, Yeah,
1: time freezing alien girl. I remember. Yep. Uh huh. Like, no, it's charming. Like, I mean, I, I, I've got no connection to it whatsoever, but I think it's kind of charming. And, you know, it might have been something I would have watched if I ever, you know, if it was ever repeated in my area. But I don't think it ever was like, I think you were the first person to ever like make me aware of the existence of this show, so... Yeah, yeah, it is kind of like
3: a lost thing, like, you know, one of these shows that sort of lost the time, I think, sort of.
2: I fully expected this, so, you know, I'm not surprised at all. As Derek said, it's been referenced a number of times, and it's been referenced more than a number of times. I feel like Derek mentions this show, like, at least three times, like, every year so it's been the show, so... Did I ever watch this like I I honestly don't know like I remember like maybe watching part of an episode of this like in the early days of the podcast and like parts of it feel familiar. So I I can't say if I watched it or not or if it's just I don't know if it's one of those weird things where like, you know, if you're around someone and they talk about something Mm -hmm. enough, it like gets like. Inscribed into your brain thoughts, like I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's f- actually familiar. I don't know if I'm thinking of some other show. Uh, I don't know, but maybe, maybe I saw it at some point when I was a little kid. But yeah, I fully expect this. I- I'm, I'm like, yep, you know, that that takes one off the list. I'm like, you know, Derek's pattern indicates two-dimensional thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: I don't, know, Tony. Why don't you? Why don't you take go with the next one?
0: All right, uh, let me cue up the old machine here. the Come and ride you. we If anybody's wondering about this, I, I picked the New Zoo Review from PBS programming, and I picked this because uh, when I was a kid. This opening more than the show got stuck in my head as far as how catchy it is, and also my my younger self like did not know about girls, but I thought they were icky except for Mary Joe. I thought she's cute, and I want her to be my mommy. It it's it's uh... a <laughs> how oh, that would change. It, it's 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 disturbing. Uh, the all the animatronic kind of faces are kind of terrifying uh it's super 70s but that's why it's an honorable mention and not like really one of my favorites because it's good it's more on my honorable mention because it got stuck in my fucking head and i could not get rid of it but i was like you know what no one else is going to ever talk about New or review so i'll give you a chance you fucking weird ass frog so
2: this was on pbs in the 70s
0: uh, it was it was like it was like filmed in the seventies into the early eighties, and it was still airing when I was a, a kid. Yeah.
2: Okay i I've never heard of this. This is interesting. Like it. This is not an insult, but it feels like Fraggle Rock with like twenty percent of its budget or something. Like it's kind of. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Is there. I find shows like these kind of charming in a way. It's like whether, whether if it's like if it's like a bunch of puppets or if it's like a mr rogers kind of thing or if it's like fraggle rock if it's like real people and like puppets or you know people dressed up in like you know like a hippopotamus like suit and they're dancing around some kind of cardboard town square or whatever like i don't know like that kind of thing is like really interesting and and fascinating to me whether it's like kukla friend and ollie or howdy doody or you know all the the other like pbs shows that we're familiar with like mr rogers and sesame street like i don't know there's something about that like as i get older i'm kind of fascinated like in those shows like how they were made like and i guess it's also that thing that me and Derek talk about it's like you got to give props to the guy in super sentai who writes the song about like the transforming mech to sell it to the kids it's like you kind of also have to give props to the the man or woman who's writing a song about like here's our sequence where like the talking hippo wearing a tutu is telling you to eat your vegetables kids it's like (laughs) there's your unsung hero it's like someone got paid to write that and and build a set and make the costume and i don't know i I kind of find all that stuff really charming and fascinating and i'm not sure why
0: all right Dodge tomato
2: (laughs)
3: So I I I've, I've never uh heard of or seen this either and and looking it up it ran on first run syndication like basically you know 5 years before I was born basically so that makes sense why I would have never seen it um I thought maybe I misheard cuz you said Mary Jo and I looked it up to be sure but it's Emmy Jo and you know Amy how like and, and you know how if you could you know go go back in time and have dinner with any person in history like i think now uh, i want to go to dinner with emmy joe because goddamn <laughs> emmy joe
0: hot totally yeah. hot Seeger brothers man yeah totally <laughs> I,
1: w- I was gonna say that frog is freaking terrifying like look at look at that little <laughs> like that thumbnail yeah. right there he looks like he looks like a duck like not a frog like a green duck but he still looks <laughs> I don't know, but but no, that that that, that like 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 Justin said, <laughs> it's kind of
3: like if Kermit the Frog was a Harkonnen
1: from <laughs> B- Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I was thinking of Fraggle Rock too, like like Justin said, but like yeah, this looked like you know not a, not as like it looked a mix of that and like. Some like Sesame Street, and you know something like a uh, some weird like low budget hybrid of some of those shows. But no, that like yeah, and I I, I immediately took uh, interest. I was like, oh, that girl's kind of cute. Like maybe that's like I was like maybe that was Tony's like hook or whatever. Like you know so
0: yeah, she didn't hurt. Yeah, the frog. Yeah, he's like the 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 headpiece has got googly eyes, and like nine times out of ten, it looks like he's oxygen deprived. He's just like. <laughs>
2: He feels like someone who would be mean to, like, Sigma the Sea Monster or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this guy took my lunch today, kids. Let's go get him. He's meany.
0: Why the fuck is a frog wearing a turtleneck sweater? (laughs)
1: the science of new zoo review makes no sense
3: i mean i mean if you if you want to one-up me for shows that are not currently on dvd congratulations sir (laughs) (laughs) i i took the i took the prize you you win you win the fucking cup like for sure
0: Uh, well well, thank you i'm 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 happy nobody threw tomatoes Uh, yeah all
1: right justin you're up Okay,
2: just a warning, my number five may surprise you, my number two may shock you, and my number one may blow your stupid dumb minds. But until then, this is my honorable mention.
1: I'm Garth Marenghi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination.
3: You are entering my dark place.
2: So my honorable mention is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and if you've never seen this show I don't exactly know how to explain it it's like it's bonkers off the wall nonsense it's it's made to look cheap like it's, it's they're kind of like it's like an homage to like bad TV shows of the 70s and 80s and it's like it's set in a hospital but like Random insanity happens like there's one episode where they like fight a Scottish ghost or something. And then there's one where like they summon the devil or something like <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to describe, but like this is a British show. They only made like six episodes, I think I encountered this like late one night. I believe this aired on Adult Swim briefly and I saw like one or two episodes and I was like, man, this is like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And then I forgot about it until I found it on some streaming website like 10 years ago or something. I was like, this is the show. Like, this is the, like the bonkers insane show that I saw like late one night. Like, it wasn't a fever dream. It's real. I, I, I just love this opening sequence. I mean, like I said, only six episodes. But like of those six episodes, like I sit down and watch it. Like, I never skip the opening because it makes me laugh just because it's like – it's so bad on purpose and it makes me laugh like from like i mean from the beginning there's like a little hiccup in like the sound recording like you're like oh yeah i've heard those sort of things happen in like old crappy it's like 70s tv shows and i like how like the music is like really kind of wistful like whenever the female character like you know shows up for her her little spotlight in the opening titles and i love the what is his name like riding his bicycle super hard against like the green screen like and then like you know Garth Marenghi like trying to save the baby and jumping over the explosions or whatever on the trampoline. Tony, like, I know you've seen this show, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure you and I like like had a late night session where we like waxed poetically about our love for this show.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I really shouldn't be in retrospect not be surprised at you at least picked this for honorable mention. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, as far as us Westerners, did air on Adult Swim. You're right, and I immediately enjoyed it because it, it does have that kind of Low budget vibe and feel with like the monsters and stuff. It's kind of like a like a Dark Shadows or or a Cold check The Night Stalker. Like they didn't really have the budget for like the big monsters, but they totally play into it. It's supposed yeah. to look cheap. Yeah,
2: yeah. And Garth Marenghi is like, it's like if you take Stephen King and mix him with like Quark or some kind of like used car salesman. It's like that. That's what you get. He's like, he's so up his own ass. Like, he thinks he's this great writer, but everything he says and does is like, you know, awful horseshit.
1: That immediately, like, started making me laugh. Like, when he had the baby and he jumped away <laughs> from the explosion. And also, when it, the dude, it's like, you know, so and so as doctor such and such, and he's shooting a gun. Like, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. That, that, I I've never heard of this before, but it looks like right up my alley, too. It's like one of those
3: intros where you you look at it and you think it should be part of like the Ben Stiller show or like some kind of sketch comedy troupe show because you're like, oh, this can't possibly be real, you know? And then and then you're like, well, I guess it was real. And then just just so I can bag on Wikipedia, so because it's like I kind of trust you guys, but like I, I looked up the entry on Wikipedia, and according to Wikipedia, it aired on the sci-fi channel in 2006 but then i mean i don't know if that's true or not but it doesn't say jack squad about adult swim and i have like vague memories of like no they're right i i remember when there was something you know and it even says there was some kind of you know brit block on adult swim in like you know 2007 2009 or something so like i kind of I have like vague memories of that, you know, that when they were showing like semi live action things for, you know, yucks or whatever. And so like, I don't know if I ever sat down and actually watched this though. But I I remember you guys talking about it a lot.
0: Yeah, it was probably it was probably paired up with the Mighty Boosh, which is another Brit mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. okay.
1: But yeah, that, that made me laugh like immediately. So like that, kudos, Justin. Yeah, you know, like that looked. That even like when he's doing his little narration, you know, he's like, you are entering my (laughs) dock. I was like kind of laughing because I was like, this can't be for real. Like, you know,
2: I just love how he like he's like author dream weaver. I'm just like, come on. Like, like that shows you like everything you need to know about the character like yourself is on ass, (laughs) But like it's
3: I love how it's like written and produced by Garth Merengue, (laughs) you know, and you're just like, oh, this is like. This is basically like the 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 funny version of Tommy was so that's not real, you know, and then you're like, holy shit, though, there there are real versions of that out there somewhere. you know, like it reminds me when I did that rock opera of Romeo and Juliet and the guy like was the director and cast himself as Romeo and was like the lead singer of the band and the whole you know what I mean? Like there there are dudes out there like I am this talented and it's kind of like, no, you're not like you're just not so it's definitely a parody of that shit too
2: but like i said it's only six episodes and i think it's on peacock if you
1: want to watch it i may in fact do that but anyway so those were our honorable mentions so we're going into the lists proper now And I mean, mine aren't really in any sort of order because like all five of my picks are like kind of very different types of shows. So like but uh, my number one or number five, I guess, you know, I I don't know, like I'll post that. I had to make a I made a Google I put it on Google Drive because like surprisingly, I couldn't find a good version of it on YouTube. But I will post that link. So I just posted the opening sequence to Angel and specifically the season 5 version because I think Angel's one of those rare shows that like it's final season might have been it's best season like you know usually a lot of shows like Peter Out but I feel like they kind of rejuvenated the show in the fifth season and like you know really once they like this you know once they found out it was ending they really kind of like left no cards on the table by the end so like you know I I love Angel like I love you know of the you know Buffy verse. like I think Angel's corner of the universe is my like favorite corner and I've always liked his theme song like it really contrasts with like you know Buffy's theme song and it tells you what kind of show this will be like it's a lot more more, you know, melancholy and like you know, gothic and you know, so almost epic, almost and yeah, like and, and like I picked the season five again. I picked the season five intro because I think it's probably my favorite makeup of the cast. Like, I mean, uh, like I, I like Cordelia, but I think like season four kind of like you know, ruined her for a lot of people. Yeah. So like, like, in you know, adding Spike in place of her was a vast improvement. So like to the makeup of the cast. So like, harmony. yeah. And Harmony, too. Yeah, she finally, like, I think it's only the last five episodes of the season she gets to be in the opening credits, but she certainly deserved it. I mean, she, she's she been appearing in, like, the Buffyverse since, like, Buffy season one. So, like, yeah, and Amy Acker gets, like, Elyria put in the, like, you know, final version and, you know. Does I, I like they also since you know they added Spike to the cast it's like he gets the they, they've always had the shot of Angel doing like the double stakes like killing the two vampires on either side of him with the stakes and his wrists but like for the fifth season they did gave it to Spike because you know that's kind of a theme of the season of Spike like you know like in competition with Angel so I always thought that was pretty good but yeah like this is one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite intros of all time. So I totally have your back that season five was, was the best season
3: of angel. And I kind of have your back about like, you know, if you, if you need to find like a very specific version of your favorite intro, like, like you said, this is kind of like a, a snapshot in time, you know, it's like a certain configuration of your favorite superhero team where maybe it only lasted for like, a couple issues or it lasted for, like you said, like the last five episodes or whatever it is, right? It's like this very granular snapshot of what was going on. And and I do feel like if you try to look stuff like that up on YouTube where you're like, I want the season five intro. That was like the second season five intro. It becomes excruciatingly difficult to like get that level of granularity. So I'm, I'm almost not surprised you had to kind of, yeah like up your up your own
1: version and everything closest the closest i found it was like sped up and it was like not like mm -hmm. widescreen it was like a tiny mm -hmm. box within a box so but yeah
3: this is this is a fun intro i mean i you know like like you guys i'm i'm a fan of that corner of the buffy verse i mean you know i think you know i don't know whether this is frowned upon or not i think you know we're all you know male so i think we're, we can more easily relate to Angel and Spike than than we ever could to to Buffy or Faith or whoever, right? So it's like, that's, that, that, you know, that's something like, I guess, you know, for the guys or whatever, right? And, and then on top of that, like, it was just, like you said, it was kind of like all the cards were on the table, no holds barred. It was the final season. There was a lot of like, cool stuff that got done in that season. So I I totally understand why you went for this version of the intro and and why that kind of brings back a lot of kind of, like, solid, good... You know, it's like, you know, I might not remember all the details of every single episode, but it's totally one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, Angel, season five, like, fuck yeah. You know, like, that's, that's kind of the... You know that that's kind of what it, it it dredges up in me, where I'm like, "Fucking a, this was cool."
0: I, I like the fact that it's a short opening, but it gets everything done quick and clean. Like you get the whole gist, like you said. the 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 basic theme is everything is terrible, and it's going to continue to be terrible. There's <laughs> like, it, there's a little bit of hope in there, but it, it, it's a very. Like Angel is a downer show, but like uh, in the best way because they never give up. But like it's, it's it's very much a a story about tragedy because you know of Angel's like history. Um, I remember when I first started watching Buffy, I didn't like Angel because I thought he was just like a pretty boy. Like to me, he was like the the prototype, uh, uh Twilight vampire. But that's because I only saw him like in a few episodes and I didn't really watch Buffy like consistently. And then after I got really hooked on it i was like oh okay so no he's kind of an asshole okay cool and he he has like you know a real character and i've totally like yeah when the show started airing i was like yeah i gotta watch angel this is going to be an awesome show and the really slow like shallow like it just yeah it fits angel totally And, and as everybody else i agree season five was the best season and it gave you everything you wanted out of the show. Too bad it was the last
1: season.
2: I have nothing new to add. I agree with everyone. Like this is my favorite season of Angel. It's a great show. So
1: am, am yeah. I, so uh, oh, okay, Derek. Yeah, you are
3: up. Okay. Um, quick caveat: you can stop watching this after like 55 seconds because it has the the outro tacked on to it as well.
2: It's family hour. There must be something on. Oh, wow.
0: Candy critters. Oh. Oh, great. It's Monsters, our favorite show.
1: It's starting.
3: So I, I don't know if this is by design. It, it certainly wasn't. But I'm I'm kind of just going in order, you know, of like, you know, my uh, whatever you want to call it like my my favorites to my most favorites or whatever so this is the intro to the anthology series monsters that was run in syndication and i mean basically it was kind of like a new you know story of the week every single week with you know a different cast and everything it's kind of like where all the who knows like all the unused uh you know, shorts, uh, rejected scripts from, you know, Creepshow and Tales from the Dark Side and all that other stuff. You know, if if, if if it didn't make the cut there, it probably ended up in Monsters. And I guess I was saying maybe it's it's coincidence, but, you know, Angel is kind of, you know, in that sort of supernatural, you know, horror bent or whatever. And this is kind of like, I, I, I don't know, I, I did take a sort of wide view genre approach to this so this is kind of like i i felt like i wanted to pick something that was you know spooky or or you know horror related you know as one of my intro picks and and this is the this is the one i decided to pick just because i I, again i kind of have fond memories of it and it was something that ran in syndication all the time and i i've always been a fan of of anthologies, whether they're in, in, you know, movies or, or, you know, television series or whatever. So I, I always like watching those kind of shorts and, you know, usually, you know, there's some kind of twist at the end or whatever, you know, like things like that. So kind of a lot of fun, kind of cheese ball, you know, along with that too. You know, it it wasn't, wasn't always like the highest budget uh, horror or anything like that, but it was, it was usually a lot of fun. And this is something that I, I have like the DVD set of like all four seasons that I Probably watched like, you know, five episodes of and then stuck on my DVD shelf to get dusty or whatever. But I I do like the series a lot.
1: I think I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. But yeah, I, I, I was... I was aware that it was some kind of like, yeah, like you said, anthology show, like creep show or, you know, whatever else. Like, so like, you know, yeah, it's it's cool. It's like creepy. I was like, as soon as it showed them from the back, I was like, oh, what are they going to be like freaks or something? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like clearly that's what this is going.
0: Yep. Um, I I was just going to say, like, I'm like, maybe Justin and uh, obviously confirm uh, Mike. I have watched this show before. And um, I always like the opening because it does have kind of like a little bit of humor to it. And if I remember correctly, the episodes I watched, there was always like a little bit of undercurrent of like dark humor with the show. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, yeah, which 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 was something nice that kind of set it apart from the other, like you said, tales from the dark side and all that. I wasn't a, a huge follower of it, but yeah, I'm definitely familiar with it. And I mean, like the the special effects were a little dodgy for a low budget show, but. That opening actually has some pretty good uh, special effects makeup, I think. Yeah, they look suitably
3: disturbing. You know? little little cycloptic girl eating her candy critters, and the, the the dad looking all like glutinous and stuff.
2: Yeah, I've only ever seen a handful of these episodes. Like, I know, I know a buddy of mine. Like, for whatever reason, in our senior year of high school, like he something. Something sparked something in his head, and he was like, "Dude, does anyone remember the show called Monsters?" And I, he, he was describing it, and I was like, "It sounds vaguely familiar, but you know, I can't, I can't quite, you know, dredge it up." And he was going on and on and on about it. And then, like one day, we went to a convention somewhere, and he found like a bootleg DVD set of the series. And I was like, "Dude, this is that show you were been talking about, right?" And he like picked it up, and he was like, "Oh my god, it is!" And they wanted like something obscene it was like you know 55 dollars for a bootleg set or something and that i was like oh that's oh and he he was like you know he was super tempted because this is the thing it's like he's been you know he's been chasing this for oh, years oh yeah going. yeah
3: wa- wa- wanting is not as, yeah. as great a thing as having like well for a long time this was not, this this show was like out of this world in that it like, I, I believe what you're saying. Cause I I'm trying to remember, but the, I think this DVD set, it was like you, you had to special order it and you had to buy like all, what is this? Like all 72 episodes on nine DVDs. So it's like, it's, it's, it's all three seasons in one box set. And I want to say, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to look at it right now, but I think it's like, it was like, Shout Factory or somebody or release this or whatever, but like I I think because it was like owned by CBS, there were like tons of I don't know maybe there were rights issues or whatever. But from what I recall, I mean this was a premium dv you know what i mean it wasn't cheap even you know you're talking about the bootleg was expensive like i think the real thing was was probably more expensive than the bootleg you know like maybe it was like 60 or 75 bucks or something for the whole thing you know like i I just remember it being expensive
2: i do know in like 2012 2013 some somewhere around there like they started airing it on chiller and that's where i watched the handful of episodes i've seen Uh, okay i don't know if it's still airing there or not but
3: I remember they used to air a lot of those old shows. Like, I I remember for a while they were airing episodes of Freddy's Nightmares and. It makes sense that they would air Monsters because it all, to me, it all seemed like it was all syndicated on the same type of channels, you know, like you'd get a block of shows and they'd all be playing, you know, maybe not come on necessarily all at the same time. But, you know, you'd have some Twilight Zones and reruns and you'd have some Freddy's Nightmares and you'd have some Monsters and you'd have, you know, like uh, the the Friday the 13th 13th. show, you know, like those would all sort of war the worlds like those would all sort of play around the same time. Time frame and stuff.
0: All right.
1: Well, uh, Tony, you're up. All right. Let me cue up the machine.
0: Get the steam power going. She's a
3: small wonder. Lovely and bright and soft girls. She's a small wonder. A child unlike other
2: girls. I knew <normalized> it. <peachçar> I knew one of you would pick this.
0: Okay, so uh, for my first official show, I picked the uh, late 80s show Small Wonder. Um, this show's uh, main star was... Uh, the, the three I main re- mainly remember, well, I guess four, but the three I really mainly remember are the, the child actors. Um, there was Vicky, which is an acronym. Uh, she was played by Tiffany Brissett. Um, there was... Jerry, who played, I forgot his name, on the show, because he was pretty inconsequential. He was basically the bratty old, oldie brother. And then there was Harriet, who was this red-haired girl who was not attractive. Uh, <laughs> and she was snoopy and, and and annoying. And the whole whole concept of the show is this guy uh, uh, who has, whose last name is McClure, Doug McClure, creates this uh, robot named Vicky, who... They want to be their. They basically ha- want as their daughter because she's they never had a girl. They had a boy. And the wacky shenanigans ensue because she's learning to be as close to human as possible. But she's got super strength and she has a very robotic way of speaking. Like, you know, whenever they say something to her, it's like, Vicky, take out the trash. She'll be like, take out the trash and then like throw it over the you know house or something. Yeah, it, it's throw it's, it throw it through the kitchen window or some shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 you know the the wacky shenanigans are from her being you know a robot who doesn't understand what it's like to be a human. Wah, wah. But no, I have fond memories of the show. Uh, but again, it's was, it's was from my childhood. Me and my me and my buddy used to watch it, and um, it, it's it's harmless humor. Um, they, Vicky even has an evil twin at one point. I want to say her name was Valerie, I think, and. It it was just—it was lighthearted, you know. It wasn't a a deep show. There was no flipping, you know, pregnancy scares or or a cop gets killed. Or very
3: a very special episode. A small wonder. (laughs) 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 None none of that shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you didn't have to think a lot when you watched it. Um, But yeah, but uh, but again, just like that. The my previous thing. The the small wonder and and out of this world too. It, it's got that earworm quality to it. You're just sitting there, la 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 la. la. It's just, it gets stuck talk- in your brain.
3: You talk about those Marvel Legends spies from Hasbro, like, I I feel like they were listening to me and you, Tony, because they made that movie Megan, you know, with the Backward Three, with the killer doll robot or whatever, and I was like, I'm like fucking Harlan Ellison over here, they stole my idea! (laughs) Because we were talking about don't do it, Vicky, don't kill her! You know, whatever, and I'm like, oh, they stole my fucking idea. But no, I I, I feel you, dude, like, this was was something I, I definitely considered but I, I think there's a comedy on my my slot that that superseded all others. And I, I think that's why, you know, and then for the honorable mention, I, I was willing to give myself, you know, a second sitcom thing. And that went to out of this world. So that that's why Small Wonder didn't quite make the cut for me. But I mean, it was definitely something that I, I you know, I feel akin to you. Right. Where it's like, you know, sort of childhood memories and sort of like a comfort show and everything that comes with that. So I, I kind of get that. So for
1: sure. And this week's episode of small wonder Vicky accesses the dark web (laughs) and a very special episode of small wonder. She's like,
3: Mm. what is two girls? One cup. Oh my.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I know of small wonder. I think it, It might have repeated on, I don't know, Nick at Night or something like I know I've seen it in repeats or something, but like I never watched it regularly. Like I know of it. Like, yeah, I knew I knew the theme song and like, yeah. And you guys have both mentioned it over the years. So like I knew, you know, you guys had obviously watched it. So, you know, it's again, it's cute. I kind of. I kind of wish the the opening made it more clear she's a robot. Like, I feel like that's not super clear in the opening. Like, I mean, (laughs) like, I mean, maybe they, you know, they probably didn't have a large enough budget to do well, like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> her on a, like operating table with like half her face like metal or something. They, but they, need, like, they need like somebody to make like an anime intro of Small Wonder yeah, where like her uh, eyes like
3: glow and she like glistens as she like leaps through the sky. Yeah, some she's shit.
1: like Battle Angel Alita or something. Yeah,
0: but small wonder small wonder
1: No, that's cute. Yeah.
0: wonder Wonder.
1: <laughs> Yeah, this to is, turn a wonder. I
2: I don't know if I ever watched this or if it, I'm just like amalgamating like 12 years of Derek and Tony like constantly like <laughs> going on about this show. So I I got nothing to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Justin knew that there was going to be out of this world and small wonder at some point. <laughs> what, I been, did. What,
3: what we've learned from this podcast is uh, Tony and I have been getting uh, kids off our lawn for for many years now.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man!
2: You're very good at getting me off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no. All right, well, Justin, I think you're next.
2: So I did go in order, and this is my number five. A long time ago, we used to be friends, but I haven't thought of you lately at all. So my number five pick is the season one intro for Veronica Mars. This is a show that I only caught like two, maybe three episodes of when it was originally airing. I know when it first premiered, I had a lot going on. Like I, I got my first like really for job. I moved away from home. I moved in with my fiance at the time. So I had a lot going on and I only ever saw like I, – I think I saw like maybe three episodes from like the first half of the first season. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Never saw it again. And then 11, 12, 13 years ago, I – like remembered it existed and sat down and watched the series and I was like oh yeah like this this is you know this exists I liked this when I when I gave it a little try so I sat down and watched it and it's great this uh, version of the intro of the season 1 version is my favorite I like the uh the visuals for the season 1 you know it's one of those that changes with each season the season 3 intro is like it's the same song but it's like uh, slower and the visuals are like way different I don't know it feels like it's trying to be like grown up and edgy because like you know it's it's Veronica she's like high school you know detective girl and she's investigating all this stuff like one of her friends gets killed or something and she's she's trying to figure it out and she's trying to balance you know school life and investigating her friends and there's all these other things going on you know like boy problems and problems with the gangs and she's friends with one of the gang members and all this stuff. So there's a lot going on, and they, you know, they did a movie, and they they brought it back for Hulu for like a fourth season, but I never watched that fourth season. I heard like it was not that, you know, it, I heard it was not that great, and it sounded like one of those things where where it was like, oh, I guess you can't go home again because everything I heard sounded terrible. But the, this song is called "We Used to Be Friends" by the Dandy Warhols. And I'm kind of curious. Like, did you guys ever watch this series? Like, I'm guessing no, but maybe I'll be surprised.
1: That's a negative. Uh, I, I, you know, obviously I know of it, but like, I, I never really watched it. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess it wasn't in my wheelhouse. Like, uh, I think I saw Kristen Bell a like ton of times on like, you know, various, Oh yeah, Craig Ferguson. Yeah, she was always on Craig Ferguson, and like, you know, all, I think some of those appearances. Shows, yeah.
2: I think some of those early appearances, she was there to promote this show.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Like I knew she like I I always knew she was Veronica Mars, basically, but I never really like none of the none of those promos or like, you know, anything made me tune into the show. But but it's again, I I, I do like the intro, though. I think it it sells the show. Basically, it it tells me exactly what, you know, you need to know about the show. I, I think
0: this came out at a time when it wasn't on the CW. Maybe.
2: I think it started on the UPN. U-
0: UPN, I think. Okay, but it 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 originally hit me as one of those like you know another teen show like you know she's a teenage private eye, and I mean those shows can be good. Any show can be good. I just didn't have a strong connection to it. I have seen Kristen Bell one of one of the shows I like watching in recent years was The Good Place. Um, she's she's a funny actress. She's she's good. She's good at what she does. Uh, never really got into it. But I, I was aware before tonight that you were a fan of Veronica Mars, that you had gotten into it. And I'm I've, 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 there's been times where, you know, over the course of the last few like years, I've been like, maybe I should give that show a chance. You know, when I don't have anything to watch, And I was like, maybe I should watch it. Justin likes it. I mean, you know, he usually has pretty good taste. So, you know, the only thing I can 100% say is the one thing I knew about the show when it was airing was. I saw the opening credits one time when I was flipping through channels, and I was like, "Hey, her dad's the guy from Just Shoot Me." That's about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, you and Derek may be familiar with this because, like, I, I'm pretty sure this was on our Heroes Con 2019 like mix that I made.
0: Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I just didn't put it into context, but yeah, probably, yeah, probably, yeah, the song. Yeah, I, I was thinking the song sounded kind of familiar when I was watching. Uh, I've never
3: seen this show. I guess. I guess that is either due to the fact that I, you know, the the time it was released. Maybe I was, I was, uh, you know, Mister Grumpy Pants trying to be a working actor and and not wanting to watch certain shows or whatever. But it also uh, probably um, was just like. I I don't know. Like, I I, I just don't, I I don't think I really knew about it. To me, it seemed like it was kind of, uh, I don't want to say, I mean, it was on network, you know, on a network television, you know, channel. But like, I I feel like it was one of those shows that kind of went under the radar or is almost like a cult classic. Because I feel like, I feel like it's like, it's kind of got the same cachet as something like Dawson's Creek, but then it sort of has that, like Twin Peaks cachet as well, if that makes sense. Like that, like, like it, it just sounds like people that like it for the, you know, the mystery aspect, like really, really like it. Like I know, I know Andy Leland, like I, I had him on fan Holes a long time ago and we talked about the Galactica 1980s comics, but he does a whole bunch of podcasts on two true freaks and like he I mean, I don't know, he may have even done, like, a specific episode just talking about this show, but but kind of like how, you know, me and Tony talking about Out of This World or Small Wonder or whatever becomes, like, an earworm in your head, and you're like, I've never seen this show, but I've heard, you know, Derek and Tony talk about it to death, so I feel like I've seen it. Like, I've heard Andy Leyland talk about Veronica Mars to death, so in some ways, I even though I've never seen an episode of it, I kinda feel like I've seen it. So I I, basically what I'm saying is I get why like you you know, this is one of your picks for the series because I I figure like it it makes sense. Like like there there's people like yourself and and Andy Leland that have have talked up the show and 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 clearly it touched a chord with with uh, you know, a subsect of, of viewers and everything. And I feel like, you know, maybe it's one of those things like you said, like maybe because it was on something like UPN and moved on to the CW and got bounced around and everything, it was hard, kinda like, you know, Firefly or something, it was hard to find its audience on television at the time. But then sort of in retrospect when, when you have this, you know, kind of binge watch model and and people can find it on Hulu or whatever, then that's when people really, really Key into it and go, hey, where where was I when this show came on? Like, how did I miss this? This is so good. You know, type thing.
2: Derek, this show is like Riverdale with the training wheels still on.
3: Mm. Are there are there lots of uh, steamy lesbian sex scenes then, too? Or, or that's what that's part of the training wheels.
2: That's part of the training wheels. You don't, I don't think you get that.
3: OK. All
1: right. So I think I'm up. And uh, this, uh, my next entry, uh, I don't know if this is like a type of show you guys even considered, and maybe it's cheating, but like I, I decided to, to go for it. So here's my next entry. From NBC Studios in New York, it's Late Night with Conan O'Brien. William Shatner, actor Kevin Nealon, and comedian Jake Johansson. You chat oh,
2: right. Shatner on purpose, or was that just a coincidence?
1: <laughs> that, it, that was just a happy coincidence. Right? Okay, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I just showed the guys like the late night with Conan O'Brien intro, and uh, like I, I think this was his sixth or seventh year, I believe. Like because, well, like I I wanted to find this intro like in particular, and I'm glad I did. And this is the specific one I was looking for because he had a few over like the course of his first show, but like. Like that first clip of him, like that's the him jumping, in, yeah, jumping. Yeah, jumping into the Hudson River.
2: Yeah, and great. like
1: I remember, like that was his fifth anniversary special when he did that, where it, like the the cold open was like, you know, you know, for my fifth anniversary, we're gonna like seal all my like you know material in a drum and like drop it to the bottom of the Hudson River, like, and then like they did it, and he was like, yeah, and he was like why did we do that again? And then he's like, Oh no, all my material. And he jumped into <laughs> the river after it. Like, and I remember it taught him to what they, they added that, that footage to the new intro the next year. Cause, and I remember him talking about it and he was like, yeah, I made sure that they use that footage of me jumping into Hudson river as many times as possible. Cause that was like fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, you know? like, so yes. yeah. Like, and, you know, I, I, it's, you know, it's obviously the, the classic Conan O'Brien theme, which, by the way, was written by the same guy who would go on to score, like, all three Lord of the Rings movies and all three Hobbit movies. So, like, you know, that's, you know, pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's, it's the same dude who wrote, yeah, the, the score to the Lord of the Rings movies. Yep. and uh, oh, nice. And I think he did, like, Scanners, too, and, like, a couple <laughs> other movies, but... But yeah, (laughs) like that's his classic theme. Like, you know, it it, it pretty much sells like what his sense of humor is like. Like, I love the bit of him like surfing on his desk and whatever. And, you know, and also it has, you know, when he actually comes out and like the Max Weinberg seven is playing, he has to do his whole like, you know, bit where he like plays to the audience like he throws it to Andy briefly and like you know he then he starts his monologue and you you guys know me like you know Conan O'Brien's probably my favorite late night talk show host like he's a huge like he informed a huge part of my sense of humor like so like and my dad used to like you know tape him and show this to me and like I used to watch this all the time and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, so, and maybe, like I said, maybe this was like cheating a little, like, I don't know if any of you considered like a talk show, like intro or anything, but yeah, this is definitely like one of my favorites.
2: I think you're like a mad genius for this because I hadn't even considered anything like this. Like the thing I was like struggling with is like some of those, like, uh, British puppet shows, like the Jerry Anderson, like Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. I'm like, well, they're not, they're. They're not animated; they're puppets. I'm like, had, where do they fall? Like, uh, that's I, I, what had I was Terror
0: hogs myself.
2: <laughs> that, like that, I'm like, it's not animated, and it, it's it's kind of live action. But I, I was like, i like, oh, that's like a rabbit hole, I'm not going down. So like, I, I was trying to think out of the box a little bit, but I was like, I didn't even consider like late night shows. I, so like, as soon as you put that in the thing, I was like, oh, like you're a, a madman and a genius. Like, this is great, but like. I'm totally with you on this. Like, I love Conan, too. Like, I think this is probably, like, my favorite opening. It's definitely the one that sticks out in my mind. Like you said, jumping in the river, surfing the desk. Like, it's, that's great. When I was a kid, it was like a badge of honor. Like, if you could stay up late enough to catch even, like, five minutes of Conan, like you were the man. Because it, it it's one of those things where, like, if you're, like, you eight or nine years old, sometimes it's really hard to stay up late on your own. If you if you can like make it to Jay Leno, you're doing good. If you could like see even like five or ten minutes of Conan, like you were the man, because you could go to school the next day and be like, oh man, I heard this really great you know joke on Conan, or like I saw this really great bit, and you know you tell your friends about it. And they're, they're just like, whoa, like they they can't even imagine like staying up that late and seeing it or something. So it was like it was almost like bragging rights for a while.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think this is cheating at all, dude. I mean, this is uh, this is exactly what we talked about. We, we were just talking about picking live action TV shows. I mean, I, I put some restrictions on myself, but I think that was mainly to help me narrow down my personal choices. But I I think this is perfectly fine and it totally makes sense why you picked it. I mean, just like I think Justin has mentioned, oh, he knew Tony and I would pick this or whatever. I don't know that I thought about what you guys were going to pick before time, but when you posted it, it it just, you know, it hit me like a bag of bricks where I was like, of course, Mike would pick this like this makes total sense to me. So, I mean, and and also, you know, the, the, the particular clip you picked also made me laugh. It, on top of the intro, just because of that lengthy kind of, I don't know, final note, you know, that just seemed to keep going, you know, like so it's like, I don't know, that that seems to be his brand of, of humor, right? Like like to to get the joke and, and keep it going, you know, to pull it like a string of taffy until it gets all, I don't know, sticky in your hands or whatever, you know, <laughs> like and, and that it just won't stop. Right. The, the good times keep rolling. So I, it makes sense to me, man.
2: And then when Tony posts the theme for Red Shoe Diaries, that'll make sense too. So it'll it'll be there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I did not pick Red Shoe Diaries. Sorry, Justin. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm totally Team Coco. The uh, uh, Conan O'Brien was like one of the first talk show hosts who I thought was speaking to my generation. I, I, I love his type of humor, and to uh, kind of what Derek was saying, like the way his opening is. And same with uh, Craig Ferguson, you get the idea of what the show is. Like Craig Ferguson is an ex-rock guy He used to be in like punk bands and stuff like that, so he's got this kind of like you know, like for a late-night show, he's almost got like this like kind of dirty improv, you know, beat session kind of theme song. And uh, then Conan, he's a guy who's stuck in the 1920s. A lot of his jokes are like you know using like you know the vernacular of the like the early 1900s and this this music sounds like a big band playing and it's it's chaotic and it's all over the place just like his comedy and you like you just you have this feeling you're you're in for a good time you don't know what's going to happen you know there might be a bear masturbating on stage or a robot talking like a pimp or you know whatever and 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 it totally is on brand for Conan O'Brien so yeah man it's, it's a great choice.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it was a total coincidence that the version they have is the one where he has Shatner on. Like <laughs> he he used to love having Shatner on. Yeah. Like, you know, it, he used, they they used to have some great conversations.
2: It seemed like there were certain guests that he really gelled with. It was like Shatner and like anytime David Boyd was on, it was like you could tell like Conan was like trying to like restrain his glee at having like David Boyd on there.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. I always
0: loved it when Norm MacDonald was on there.
1: And Norm yeah, McDonald, that was great yeah. too. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, they say – it's funny. They say Norm MacDonald cost Conan like The Tonight Show because it's like – I, when he finally got the tonight show, it's like in the second week he had Norm McDonald on and like all like the, the NBC executives were like, why the fuck is he having Norm McDonald on the tonight show? Like Norm McDonald's a washed up has been or whatever. And like, they didn't like even like, you know, kind of get that. Like he was like a, a traditional like favorite Conan, ho- uh, guest or whatever. But like, they you know that they were saying that's why like they started conspiring to like, you know, rekerjigger the tonight show again. But but, you know, if you if you're in with Conan, then, you know, like exactly why he does like the things he does. So
0: one of one of my favorite jokes on there from from like a Norm appearance is Courtney Thorne Smith was on there and she was promoting chairman of the board with Carrot Top.
2: Oh, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and like the whole time Norm is just railing on this movie because it's got Carrot Top, you know, it's a fucking Carrot Top movie. And like Conan is like exasperated almost, but he's enjoying it, you know, like Conan's just that kind of guy. And, like, at one point he was like, you know, Jesus, Norm is like, well, what's the name of the movie? He's like, we can move on. She's like, oh, it's called Chairman of the Board. It's coming out soon. And, like, Conan looks at Norm and is like, do something with that, you freak. And, like, Norm, like, just sits there for, like, two seconds and he's like, Chairman of the Board. Is
1: it spelled B-O-R-E-D? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they, the Conan, like, cracks up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like and I like when he's asking like oh Co- like Courtney D- Thorne Smith like oh what's 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 the name of the movie and he's like I know what the name is box office poison <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah oh, that was great. yeah it's good stuff like like I said I, I wanted to find the version where he jumped into the Hudson River and I'm glad I did and I'm glad it was there so yeah but uh all right uh Derek I think you're up all right Here we go. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to
0: tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma
1: radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. ...and pursued
0: by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like
2: me when I'm angry.
3: Okay, that was the intro to Kenneth Johnson's Incredible Hulk. And I guess uh, i let myself pick a a superhero intro, and it also kind of was a way for me to show Kenneth Johnson some love, because I think, I don't know, most of the intros to V are pretty goddamn boring... But I wanted to pick something that I thought was really cool. And I I think when it comes to me ranting and raving about all the jokestery, jokester horseshit in in comic book movies as of late, I I think, you know, I'm I'm just going to point back to this and kind of say, like, this had as much verisimilitude as uh, 1970s, you know, Uh, superhero television could muster at the time. And I, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I, you know, I always found it totally believable, whether or not, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some hardcore Hulk fans that were pissed off that Hulk wasn't jumping around and he could get hurt by bullets and all this other shit. But I mean, for me, as a little kid at the time, it really didn't matter. I mean, it was obviously a super successful show that ran for Five seasons and had a bunch of television movies in the late '80s and '90s. So, um, you know, there's no denying its uh, success or longevity. Um, but just the intro itself, like the the narration that kind of sets up everything, tells you, you know, what the what the crux to the story is, what the conflict of the story is. Like even if you've never seen the two hour opening movie, like this is that two hour opening movie, you know, summed up in like 60 seconds or something, you know what I mean? So it's perfect for the, the, the goal of imparting to the viewer, you know, that's never seen an episode of it, what the, what the origin is, what the setup is. And then, you know, and then people can, you know, be off to the races with whatever episode they're watching. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know for me, this, this is, one of the earliest examples of of uh, grounded superhero television series that took shit seriously so i i think it's it's well worth uh, uh, inclusion in this
0: i always like this opening because like like you said it, it's serious obviously but like it reminds me a lot of the fugitive too because you know it's this very serious narration like you were saying you know it's like dr david banner you know us, you know science but you know, and it's just it, it kind of gives it like a lot of times people say you know show sure, don't tell, but telling the story in the opening is so it works well. It, it's, it's it's like it's like a good mechanic to like whoever you are. If you never read an Incredible Hulk comic, you get the whole origin story in like you know that one one minute like you know exposition and all the visuals. So it tells like you know the complete story. And then the 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 end part where you know they have the split face with Lou Ferrigno yeah, and and yeah, uh, yeah that's just and, so and cool. Is, yeah, I, I I give you thumbs up, sir.
1: Yeah, like I I used to watch like repeats of this like when I started like when I when I was very young alongside like you know sixties Batman and stuff like they had repeats of this playing too. And I mean yeah, this was pretty like I I always took this like deadly serious and stuff and like this is a great intro. It has a lot of like you know. I think it has a lot of like Hulk iconography that's lasted until this day. Like you said, like the half banner, half Hulk face. And you know, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, you know, and all that. Uh Uh-huh. Like a lot of that's even someone who doesn't know anything about the Hulk note probably knows that line, like, you Mm -hmm. know, knows Bill Mm -hmm. Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. So I mean, yeah, this is like a like you said, it's like for nineteen seventy eight, this is like as deadly serious as they could make a like comic Mm -hmm. book show. So like, you know, yeah, this is great. This is pretty iconic. Like, I mean uh, I and I also like not not to uh Take the the spotlight off this, but I also love you know the the end credits with the you know the sad piano oh, yeah, or yeah. music or whatever. So like you know I think it it really sold the tragedy of the character and like you know that that's an element that's like in present in any version of the Hulk. So yeah, like this is a great pick.
2: Yeah, I, I have nothing new to add other than you know it's it's a classic TV show opening
0: and all there is to say
1: all right well tony i guess you're up.
0: all up. right um oddly enough <clears throat> mine is also inspired by comics but definitely in a different direction Okay, hey, for mine, I chose uh, the HBO show *Tales from the Crypt* from the '90s. Um, this was based on the EC William Gaines uh, horror comics from the '60s. Um, and I remember when I was growing up, I, I was—I always used to be kind of scared of horror movies. Like Freddy and Jason always kind of scared me when I was a little kid. And then I got into like *Tales from the Crypt*, which had a really good sense of like macabre humor. And the Crypt Keeper was always like so cheesy and over the top. But it got me into the horror, and like you know, you have Derek's monsters, which you know, you have monsters, Derek. But my show has titties cussing and better gore. So,
3: yeah. <laughs> no, 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 this is this is fantastic. It's like HBO spent all the money, you know, like so. I mean, it, it had uh, top talent and and. Uh... Cable, you know, Skinamax options, and, and and horror, and all that kind of stuff. This wasn't this wasn't made for network television, so it, it's certainly of a different class, right?
0: Right. Um, one of the things I really liked about the show was it was uh, at this time because the show was so popular, they started reprinting the EC comics, and it was kind of like this really weird like thrill when I would read like a comic, and it was like either. Uh, an episode they already done or it would come up in later seasons. It was like, Hey, that was in my comic. I don't know. It was just a really cool thing. And, uh, I should give a big, uh, special mention to John Kassir. He was the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And I have to imagine that voice had to like shred his vocal cords with the, the high cackling and stuff. <laughs> and he even right, sang.
3: right. Yeah. I remember my mom would buy me those. I think they were like what Gladstone reprints or whatever they, they did. But like, yeah, those were the, the, the those were definitely kind of a, a kick at the time. And the, the intro is, uh, is, is, is well done in terms of, you know, it's like one of these, I mean, you probably, I mean, there's probably some cuts in it you don't recognize uh, when you're, you know, a layman or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, it's, it's, you know, two or three giant long shots, but it's like, that's, that's usually a, a, uh, a Herculean task in and of itself, right? To have all that kind of stuff set up as they go through the the outside of the house and then the the interiors of the house and down to like the little basement where he pops up out of the crypt and everything. So like, you know, there's a lot of skill involved in that as well. So I think, I think that speaks to your pick, right? Because it's not, it's, it's not something easy to shoot. Right. And then, and then it had to look perfect because it was going to be shown in, you know every single intro right so you know again that this is this is a great pick for both horror and and comic books so this is this is really cool tony
1: I don't think like I ever watched this show like when it was on um I think one of my friends had VHSs of it or something like I don't remember exactly what the releases like were like like in the late 90s or something cuz I remember watching like, I don't know if he had taped them or like something, but I remember watching a bunch of them in like a marathon for like a, it must've been like a Halloween party. Cause there was a bunch of us there like watching these and like, I don't know, I guess the, the, whoever the, my friend was probably like the big fan of them. So it was like, everyone, this is what we're going to watch. So like we all sat down and watched a bunch of, you know, tales from the crypt and stuff. And like, I remember, you know, liking them, like I'm not a big horror fan either, but yeah, I appreciate this. Like I, I knew I knew of this, like, and I, I've seen this intro before, and it it is like, you know, it's like Derek said, there are, you know, you gotta if you're, you have know, you've, if you've got an eye for editing and stuff, you gotta figure out where they, you know, made made the cut from the long shot, but you know, it's still, you know, it works really well. I mean, and of course, you know, the Crypt Keeper popping out at the end is pretty uh, iconic. So, like, yeah, like this is this is super cool. Yeah,
2: it's great. It's well done, and kid watching it it was definitely creepy like it wasn't it wasn't anything that was scary but it was definitely like creepy and it put you in the right mood for what you were about to see which as a little kid you probably were not supposed to be watching but still (laughs) that was the fun of it
0: right back in the days when like you you were you were getting away with something
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think i I must have been, like, 14 or 15 when I saw the like some episodes of this. So, like, I don't, like, I guess, you know, it was, like I said, at some party or something. So, I guess, like, and, like, his parents were there. So, it wasn't, like, anything, like, I guess they were opposed to. So
0: th- There is a fun fact I'd like to mention before we move on. The intro is so damn good. And as Derek said, there's so much budget put into it and it's so well shot. They use the exact same scene for scene opening for the fucking movie
1: when they when they made a big screen movie for it swanky all right uh justin i think it's your turn all righty then
2: and we will be continuing tony's theme of spookiness So my number four pick is the original intro for The X-Files. This is uh, one of my favorite TV shows ever, or at least the first um, six seasons at least. Like after that, it gets a little sketchy and fuzzy, you know. But um, man, those first like four or five seasons, like those are really solid. I Whenever I sit down and watch the series... I usually focused on those first like five or six seasons, so that's kind of my sweet spot. Going back to what I said about you know spooky openings and stuff like this, this is something that I always thought was kind of spooky, and it, it also like got you in the mood for what you were about to see. Whether it was going to be like Mulder chasing after like the Jersey Devil, or he's he's after like UFOs at some military base, you know whatever the theme for this week's episode was, like this got you in the mood for it, and it just had like this odd visuals from like the ufo cloud and the you know the electric thing whatever that is going on then you got like the the face and you're falling into his mouth and all the stuff and then you know the truth is out there like it's it's one of those things it's like product of its time but in a good way
0: I i was gonna say like i had almost picked this but i had a feeling you were gonna pick this and i'm like justin will do this much more justice than i can yeah, X Files was was one of those shows. I, I totally yeah, Secret Brother, you on? I, I I got really into it, and um, I, I would say like the opening is actually nothing spectacular as far as like visually like uh, high budget, but that's that's why I like it because this is supposed to be kind of it's supposed to be a a, re, uh, a grounded show in reality that deals with a supernatural. So if you had like these really cool looking aliens or these like, you know, multi-million dollar special effects for like, like a ghost, it wouldn't seem as real, you know, this, this, this show played up on the whole things that go bump in the night and the things you can't explain things. So it's better that you don't see the monster. Yeah. It's a great opening. And, and of course you're talking about like, you know, iconic, like the truth is out there, you know, that's like an iconic line. Uh, So yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Awesome opening.
3: Like the the song too, I think is iconic, right? Like the the
0: the whistling and
3: the the whole theme and everything like that. Like that's, I mean, th- that's one of those things that you know. I mean, I, I, I would be willing to guess all of us got into X Files pretty heavy at one point or another, and and I you know I agree with Justin. Obviously, the early seasons are some of the best seasons, but this intro was was pretty consistent throughout the whole run and everything, and you kind of knew. You know, like I, even if you were like in another room and somebody else was watching X Files, like the, it, it's unique, right? Like you could just tell by hearing the, you know, you know, in the background or whatever, and you're like, oh, somebody's watching X Files. Like it, it's it's not, you know, it wasn't rocket science or anything like that, but but it it certainly made its stamp, right? Like Tony said, the the visuals of it aren't necessarily uh, you know, high budget CGI or anything, but in some ways like that that makes it kind of timeless too, right? It's like photographs and 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 phenomena and 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 text and and kind of sayings and everything. And like you know, it, it, it makes it there, there's no there's no fear of that intro coming off as as dated in terms of like i don't know some some kind of like you said some kind of cgi alien monster or whatever you're not gonna point at that and go oh that didn't hold up because there's, there's nothing to point at right so uh, and and of course this was a phenomenon you know like so it's like that's i i, I think it's uh, 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 definitely a, a good go-to as far as uh, you know television themes
1: I'm a secret brothers with Tony in that I briefly considered this and I was like, there's no way Justin doesn't pick this one. So (laughs) I was like, yeah. So I I was like, I was pretty secure in thinking you were going to pick this and I, I was right. So, but yeah, like I, I echo everything. I mean, it's pretty iconic. It's pretty unique. Like there's nothing else like it. Um, I think it really like captures the, Like theme of like the fear of the unknown, what is just out of sight, like what we've seen only glimpses of. And like I I think that was something I like that gave me a lot of nightmares, like as a kid, basically. And like this capture that the song and the visuals really capture this. Like, you know, I always make the joke that my grandmother used to watch hard copy And they'd always tell tales of, like, alien abductions and stuff. And what used to scare me the most was always, like, the friggin', like, expressionistic paintings they'd have of, like, the alien abductions and stuff. And it was always because it, like, made your imagination, like, run wild, kind of. And, like, that's kind of what this intro does, too. Like, it's that feeling that fear as a musical and like visual, like representation of that. So yeah, this is like one of the best, I'd say one of the best, like, you know, intros of all time. All right. So I think, uh, I'm up then, uh, my third choice. Uh, I see no reason to, uh, not continue the spooky theme. So there is a fifth dimension the original opening to the twilight zone and uh i know there are a lot of openings to the twilight zone like they i think they changed it almost every year but like this original one is still my favorite one like i mean i think a lot of people more remember the you know like it is a dimension of sound yeah and like they yeah with the eyeball and the breaking glass uh, but i don't know this one always this one kind of again like i was saying with x-files this one like actually like kind of frightened me as a child like and if you look in my avatar that friggin' cave in this opening it always looked like an evil like eye to me and it like you know the camera was zooming in on it and like that always kind of freaked me out as a kid and like a you know very like you know primal stark terror and He's- you know rod Rod Serling's, like, narration about, you know, you know, between, you know, the summit of his knowledge and the pit of man's fears and, like, you know, timeless is infinity. Like, all all the language is very, like, foreboding and very, like, really tugs at, you know, the, the horrors in your imagination and stuff. And, like, yeah, so, like, this is my favorite opening to the Twilight Zone.
3: This intro it probably isn't specifically related to this but this specific intro always makes me think of the episode where there's that colony of people that survived you know on a, a distant planet for all those years and the one guy was basically their shepherd the whole time or whatever and he was always preaching to them and keeping them alive and then they finally get rescued and you know, everybody leaves and they're like, you sure you don't want to come with us, Shepard? And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I, I lived here. I'll, I'll be fine. And then once everybody leaves, he's just sadly like preaching to no one all by himself, you know, in, in a little cave. And that's what this intro always sort of made me think of where it's like, Oh dude, you should have gone with them, Shep. Like what the fuck's wrong with you? But that's, that's the, uh, the twist or whatever, you know, like, so, um, but, but yeah, this is, this is definitely a great intro. I love. uh rod sterling's narration and everything it's it's classic television classic narration and as far as like you know spooky factor or whatever like you know it's it's suitably ominous and everything so that's you know and there's also like kind of like a twinkle of wonder to it too it's it's interesting it's like it's it's kind of like if 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 there's something like uh you know, like, like the Tales from the Dark Side intro is just flat out, like, spooky and scary, where the guy's like, you're entering a world of darkness, you know, and it's like, it's like freaking you the fuck out. And then, like, something like Steven Spielberg's, um, what, what is it, like, um, what was that show called? Amazing television amazing stories stories, right like that's something that's like totally on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like everything's optimistic this story is going to be so fucking fantastic it's going to blow your socks off it's going to be amazing and i feel like this version of the twilight zone intro is somewhere in between there it's got like it's like goldilocks shit like just right where it's got just the right amount of ominousness and just the right amount of like twinkle and wonder in your eye and that you know something that the twilight zone could you know it was it you know it was a balanced show it wasn't always about you know horrific things it wasn't always about you know eerie things like it could be about things that were wondrous or 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 you know, stupendous or whatever, but but also, you know, uh, out of the realm of possibility. Right. So it could be, you know, it, you know, it's like it could go from weird aliens to Santa Claus. You know what I mean? Like like all all kinds of stuff. Right. So I, I feel like this is like very appropriate for the the range that that show had.
2: As soon as I saw your avatar, Mike, like I knew this was going to be on your list. I was like, I know that cave. I know what Michael's going to pick. I considered the Twilight Zone, but as you said, like, I would have went with, like, the classic, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, you know, the eyeball, the, you know, window shattering, like, you know, the swirly bob. Like, that's the one I was considering. I mean, this one's great, too. I like all the classic uh, Twilight Zone openings. I'm glad you picked one of those. But, yeah, like, Twilight Zone, one of my favorite series. Like, I I was always one of those guys, like, you know, every Fourth of July – new year's eve like whenever sci-fi channel had their marathon like i was i would sit down and watch all, as much as i could and like i never wanted to miss the opening critics because i was always like ooh, like what you know what episode's coming up but i like I, I wouldn't look at a episode guide i'm like ooh, what episode's coming up like, like what season like what opening you know what opening sequence are we gonna get and i'm like ooh, yeah like this is I'm like oh it's a season one episode okay i like i wonder what this episode is gonna be
0: yeah like uh, twilight zone do, do a parallel with what I think Tales of the Crypt, the, the Twilight Zone was like the granddaddy of having, like, who's who in Hollywood at the time being guest stars. You know, you had Bill Shatner and stuff, you know, you had Burgess Meredith, you know, you had a lot of, like, really well-known actors, you know, in these uh, episodes. And it all started with this opening. You know, like, when you sat down, like, it, it's it's so well-known, even if, they're, if you watch a different version, you know what the hell you're watching just from the first, like, one second of music you know you're just like oh you know let's, let's let's you know let's watch something that's going to either like derek said either freak us out uh make us feel good might be social commentary i mean they did the whole gamut of stuff and 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 it literally started with this opening since this is the first one um i think they're all classic uh i i do agree with justin i probably would have gone with the do 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 but that doesn't mean this isn't like really cool and you know and i like the fact that it, this one is your favorite you know that that shows how widespread this show is is like when you even have favorite openings for a show that's how how much of an impact it has on like you know the uh, the society that watches
1: it cool so derek uh you're up
3: all right well uh, moving us slightly away from spooky but still in a a science fiction theme here we go
0: John Crichton, an astronaut. A radiation wave hit and I got shot through a wormhole. I'm lost in some distant part of the universe on a ship, a living ship full of strange alien lifeforms. Help me. Listen, please. Is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being hunted by an insane military commander in everything I can. I'm just looking for a way home. So that
3: was the introduction of the season one opening of... Escape. And uh, it's a show that I have a lot of fondness for. I definitely wanted to include something that represents my love for science fiction. And I went with this mostly because it, it did have, uh, to my mind, you know, introductions of some of the actors and, and live action moments to it amongst the, the CGI shippery and, and, and other stuff that was going on in the background there. So I, I figured that would work and then i guess what's interesting is talking about like you know settling on a certain version because you know this this ran for four seasons and was uh you know uh, unfortunately cut short right it didn't it didn't have a chance to finish and was sort of canceled in the fourth season and then later they got to make some some uh, you know direct-to-video type uh, you know television movies to wrap wrap things up Things that would have been planned for a fifth season, um, so the story did get finished, but you know it kind of got finished uh, as movies or whatever. And as the show continued, things got darker, you know. Like, and and I think things got darker in the real world, and things got darker on the show itself. And so, I, I think I picked the first intro just because. I think it's the most pure of the four intros and it's, it's the most viewer friendly of the, the, the four intros, you know, this is, this is kind of the basic, you know, He's lost in space. He's he's run into this ragtag group of folks like he's being hunted down, but he's he just wants to find his way home. And there's something kind of pure about that. I think as they as they go further into it, you know, the ragtag group of people become his family as they go further into it. You know, the, the 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 enemies he's made grow bigger and. More batter and and are more scary and everything and you know so by the time you get to the the you know and then you know in the middle of it nine eleven happens and it's addressed do you know what I mean so as 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 the intros continue things get way more heavier and I think they're less. Viewer friendly per se, or less, you know, bringing you up to speed. Like it, it, it's bringing you up to speed, but you you had to live through some of it. You know what I mean? Like, whereas this, you didn't have to live through anything. It kind of tells you the core of what you need to know to get started with the show. But um, I've always been very, very fond of this—the the Jim Henson animatronics and and just the. You know, the character in general, you know, I, 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 I love Ben Browder's performance in this as John Crichton. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've just always been fond of the show. And I figured when I thought of it and, and kind of, you know, I, I don't know if anybody can tell, but I've sort of been, you know, genre hopping. I wanted to give everything a good genre representation in my picks. And so this was definitely my punch at sci-fi, you know, so that this is what I went with.
2: I've always really liked this opening and what I like about it is that it feels so alien like this is not a Alexander Courage or Jerry Goldsmith like inspired tune like there there's nothing familiar about it really like even the limited vocals it feels alien and like weird like the first time I saw this I was like I was like what was that like what what was I hearing like the you know you see like okay These are the actors we're going to see. These are the aliens and all this stuff. But I'm just like, what am I hearing? Like, I've never heard anything like that for for a TV show intro before. It's so weird and unusual. And you think about it and you're like, well, that must be something like what Crichton's experiencing. Like, he's, you know, so far removed from anything that he knows. And that's like the same for the audience. It's like, this is what you're going to experience. Like, this is not a a TV show intro that you're used to. And this is not going to be like your usual TV show either. So like, I've always liked this uh, intro.
0: Yeah. You know, we, 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 we've made mentions of like budget and like, you know, how this maybe may look a little cheap or This may look a little expensive. I don't know the budget of Farscape. I don't really care. Like the, the Jim Henson puppets, the way it shot, the, the, the explosions, even the CGI really holds up even today. It's it's a really good looking intro. It looks like it costs probably more than it actually did. It looks high class, and you know, uh, to Justin's point about the alienness is like, you know, on the show you have some characters like you know that have you know quote unquote shit on their face and or just makeup, and you know we're expecting that from Star Trek, you know, just some prosthetics and stuff. Then you have characters like Rigel and Pilot who are just completely like not human at all. And it, it, yeah, like when you see the episode, I I can, I not episode, but the uh, opening, Justin, I can totally understand the first time you're being like, what the fuck was that?
3: (laughs) I remember feeling like that about Dargo too, because even though he was like conceivably he he could be pointed to as another guy with shit on his face, like there was something where you looked at like his face and went no human face can do that like how did they how did they do that like what, what it just it looked kind of to Justin's point it looked so alien the way his his beard was a skin and it parted and and you were just like who thought of this like like what it's like it's so you know so foreign right like where you're like oh it, it really put the alien back in the word alien as opposed to you know again it, it, easy to throw stones at right you know something like the the, the alien of the week on Star Trek, where it's just, you know, a guy, but then he's he's putting makeup for four hours just to, you know, make his face look a little funny. But ultimately, you know, these guys were all bipedal human-looking things, whereas, you know, like you said, the the Jim Henson animatronics, you know, Rigel being a little, you know, sluggy thing on his little hover throne. And then the, the only thing that I, I felt slightly bad about was, You know, to me, I'm like Scorpius is just the ultimate bad guy. Right. And it's like, well, I you know, since I stuck with the first season intro because it's the most pure. Right. He's not in that. But it's like one of those things where to me, he's kind of part of the package, even if he's not in the intro. But like all those things kind of made that show for me.
1: I never really got into Farscape. And like, I think you know it, it would some i think it was like something that would be on like saturday afternoons or something in reruns and sometimes i'd like catch an episode or something mm-hmm. but i'd never really like you know commit to it or anything but yeah. Like, I like the intro, though. Like, I like, you know, his narration. I like how it kind of cuts in and out and like, you know, becomes like run on in some places. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Like, I like all the, yeah, Jim Henson, like, you know, prosthetics and like Muppets and, you know, stuff like all oh, oh, that looks really super cool. Like, I mean, it, it could have been something I got into, but I just never, like I said, committed to it. So like, yeah. But uh, I guess, uh, Tony, you're up next
0: all right well we've had science fiction we've had horror we've had a little bit of last. now we're going to have 150 horsepower of pure adrenaline this is jesse mock an ex-motorcycle cop injured in the line of duty now a police troubleshooter he's been recruited for a top secret government mission to ride street hawk an all-terrain attack motorcycle designed to fight urban crime capable of incredible speeds up to 300 miles an hour and immense firepower only one man, federal agent Norman Tuttle, knows Jesse Mock's true identity: the
1: man, the machine, the Strigoi.
0: Um, I had picked the show Street Hawk. Um, it was from like the late '80s, I think 1987. From the, the credits, you can see it starred a guy named uh, Rex Smith. Uh, basically, it was about this guy who got seriously injured in the line of work, and he was doing a desk job. And through the the miracle of science, he uh, was able to get the use of his uh, full use of his body back. And because of that, there was a trade off. He had to become the undercover agent known as Street Hawk. Which basically means it gets to ride around on a bitching motorcycle. I do not know if this show would hold up today, but I loved the show as a kid. It was fast motorcycles, cool tech, which I'm a huge tech head. I love robots, cool cars, cool spaceships, cool motorcycles. I didn't even realize this, but this may be why I like *Common Rider so much. Because, you know, motorcycles. But yeah, I don't know, it was just cool. It, it, it's, it's a motorcycle with like rockets and machine guns, and it's got turbo boosts. And it's all in black. It's got the Batman vibe, too, because it's kind of dark and gritty. And the the, the the theme song kicks ass. And it's it's like what the 80s was all wrapped up in a nice little package. So I just yeah, I just love this intro. And I, I love the show when I was a kid. Like I said, I don't know if it holds up now, but damn, it was it was fun when I was watching it.
1: Is this like some did this come after Knight Rider? Yeah,
3: I think I think it, it probably was generated by the popularity yeah, I was of the I, I like, like in, this, in terms I, of things like you know what, like Airwolf and Treehawks. Yeah, Hawk like Air and airwolf. Like I yeah. feel
1: like I've seen like fifty different like shows about like a man and his very special vehicle that yeah, fight crime right. together, you know, like so but yeah, the, you, you, you're right, Tony, though. The theme is pretty awesome, like, you know, when it really kicks in towards the end. But like, I, I had never seen this before. So like I was like, like I said, I, I was just thinking I was like, oh, this must be like, you know, inspired by like Night Rider or whatever. It's like the kids, they like their special vehicles, like in fighting crime. The kids, they like bringing down urban
3: crime. <laughs> <laughs> urban <laughs> crime, you were going down. No, I I, I totally watch this show, Tony. So I get I get why you you picked this. Like I, I I remember, you know, it was a staple of the '80s. You you were always watching shows like that, that. It was, you know, I I don't even know if they make TV like this anymore. I know I know you were saying like I don't know if it would fly today. Like I can't think of anything. Like do do they make quote unquote action television shows anymore? Like I I kind of don't right. think. So. You know, yeah. Like I I think that's that's. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I feel like that's a lost art because I don't. I can't remember the last time a new television show came on where it was just, it was pure adrenaline action type stuff, you know, whether it was, you know, explosions or or something where it was like pure just, you know, fighting or, or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, clearly, I don't watch that much modern television, so I may be overlooking something super obvious. But I mean, I, I certainly can't think of anything from, I would say, this genre, which I'd say, like, you know, e- even beyond the, the obvious, you know, kit. Night Night Rider, Airwolf, like even beyond that, you know things like the A Team, you know, like just any of those kind of action oriented television series. You know, I don't even know Dukes of Hazard. You know what I mean? Like any of that right. stuff. Like I can't, I can't think of anything like that 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 is is there that's a modern equivalent.
0: Yeah, like nowadays, it, you know, like back then it would be like you know, Street Hawk finds out about bad guy, he chases bad guy, gets you know, kind of fucked up confronts bad guy at the end. He's like, you will never catch me, Street Hawk. And he shoots a missile up his ass and blows him up. And nowadays it would be like, you will never catch me, Street Hawk. Oh, really? I have a tragic backstory. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know? but what about you, Justin? I don't know if you watched the show, but did did you at least like the opening?
2: I did like the opening. I have heard of this, but I've never seen it at all. It's very 80s. I like the music and I, I like the visuals. So it's, it's definitely interesting like i could see why little kid tony would be fascinated and excited by this so there's that yeah
1: and I, like you said tony i was kind of like oh this is yeah like common rider or, or masked rider like, yeah you know, all right well just in Europe.
2: the babylon project was our last
0: best hope for peace it failed In the year of the shadow war it became something greater our last best hope for victory the year is 2260 the place babylon 5
2: so my number three pick is the third season intro for babylon 5 I've talked about Babylon 5 a few times over the years on this show, and it's one of my favorite TV shows ever. And this third season intro is my favorite of the five seasons. Before Babylon 5 was on TNT, like I had only ever seen three episodes at most. So I was pretty excited to sit down and actually get to dig into the show, and the more I watched, the more I loved it. And then when it got to season three, like the first time I heard this music that is in this intro like it gave me goosebumps like that's i was like ooh, like i'm i'm super into this and i like recognize that and then every now and then i it, i every now and then like when i sit down and rewatch the series every like five or ten years like i every now and then i'll get a little bit of that and, and I, I always like that feeling like i don't know it's, it's a weird feeling to chase like when you watch a tv show or a movie that like pulls you in and it you're so into it, like it gives you like the goosebumps just from the music. I know Derek is familiar with Babylon 5 because he just sat down and rewatched the series uh, somewhat recently. So any thoughts on this, Derek?
3: You know, you know what I like about this particular intro that you picked? Because it's like, you know, the first two intros go into, you know, how Babylon 5 is a space station and we're, we're trying to, you know, work with different species and bring about peace and diplomatic, you know, kind of envoys and all this other stuff. Like I kind of love how this intro just cuts the bullshit and they're like, nah, none of that shit worked. We're at fucking war. You know what I mean? And then and then it's like now it's time for the epic music and everybody's like, you know, serious like head turn to the camera, you know, and I'm like, oh this is badass, you know? So like that's that that that's what I think is is fun about that. Cause it's like basically they're like, we failed and now here's all the epic action shots like you need to be you need to be watching this because it's super epic and super important you know like so i i I always thought that was kind of like a a cool a cool take on on the whole thing like we're not gonna we're not gonna bore you with any of this shit about peace and diplomacy (laughs) like we're fucking going to war like you know so it's like that's that that's something i always thought was fun about this particular version of the intro
1: yeah, much like Farscape Babylon 5 is something I never really got into, but it again it was weirdly I feel like there was always in repeats on Saturday afternoon, so occasionally I'd see a random episode of it, but it was probably pretty impenetrable to me when I like it I know it's definitely a show you can't just pick up like, you know, with yeah. watching any random episode. It's like, you know, everyone knows it's like, you know, J Michael Straczynski's like epic like space opera and like it kind of reminded me me like when we talked about cartoon intros like when i posted like the exo squad intro I'm, like it's like there are so many characters on the show like the the credits have to have like here are the top 12 people you need to know who they are like who <laughs> yeah. are and like this this is this is a basically the same deal but yeah it's certainly yeah. certainly equivalent yeah yeah. yeah. And like like Derek said, like I, I, I immediately like got the impression, oh, season three, this must be when shit started hitting the fan because they're like, yeah, because yeah. I I always knew Babylon five was like, oh, about like, you know, uh, getting along on a space station or whatever. But then I was when I saw this one, I was like, oh, this must be the season where it all goes to shit. Like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's more time.
0: I don't know if I would be considered the biggest fan of Babylon five but it definitely definitely picked up its pace like you know as the shadow war progressed and everything and and I didn't hate the first few seasons the the, the simple honest to god fact was is that I was in my early 20s late teens whatever you want to call it and the the CGI didn't wow me i thought it was you know really kind of basic but the thing was is it was it was one of the first shows to really use a lot of CGI so they were kind of breaking ground in a lot of ways so that could be really forgiven, you know, and then the CGI got better as the the seasons went on, you know? So like, I have no problem with it. And I think one of the, the, one of the biggest crowning achievements of Babylon five is it was one of the first sci-fi properties that got a cult or even probably more than a cult following that actually, you know, gave star Trek and star Wars a run for its money. Cause for the longest time, that was all anybody ever talked about, you know, it was like, Oh, yeah, there used to be Battlestar Galactica, or oh, I used to watch, you know, Lost in Space, or you know, but nobody ever really, you know, challenged the big boys. But Babylon Five has a huge following; a lot of people love it. So I mean, if nothing else, the this this show proved that like there there's room if you make a good story. You know, if you have a good story and good characters, you you can make a a, a big you know dent in like the the pop culture. You know, and people will take notice.
2: Yeah, the the last season. I don't know if it's because they got that nice TNT money, but there's some really beautiful shots, CGI shots in the last season. The thing that always stands out in my mind is like I remember early days of the show, I was talking about Babylon 5, and you were like, oh, man, yeah, like those those first two seasons, whenever they blew up something, it was just something breaking into like a thousand little triangles.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like a a bunch of Doritos, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, but they uh, like you said, it, it was early CGI, and that was the first, like, TV show to, like, use that for all their special effects scenes, and, you know, there were some growing pains, but, you know, season three, they got better at doing explosions, and season five, like, they got it down to a science, they were good at that shit by then.
3: Justin, just, I, I know this is kind of a sidebar, but when, when they did those remasterings, like, the, the was, was the CGI made better, or, like, or was it just the same but remastered?
2: I think it's just upscaled. Okay, okay.
3: I yeah, I just wasn't familiar with all the
2: technical aspects,
3: so I just thought I'd ask.
2: Like, I think what you watched was the upscaled version.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure I watched the upscaled version. Like, I just, I just wondered if you know when it aired, maybe it wasn't you know quite that clean or whatever. You know?
0: I mean, if nothing else, I can say that if anybody is wanting to uh, go in the same line of work as Derek had been going into in the 90s of being an actor. Like, watch Babylon 5 just to watch Peter Jurassic chew scenery, you know? I mean... Mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> or Andreas Casculus. Like, he's yeah, great yeah. as Jakar. I love him. Yeah, yeah. They're both yeah. very, very good. And that, I don't know, see, watching this intro now, that, that's something that makes me sad because I'm like, oh, man, like, half of these people are gone now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's good. We got to enjoy their work yeah. and they they live on. Right. Like,
1: yeah. Bruce Boxleitner's still alive, right? Yeah. Yes. OK. Yeah. That, I was like, I haven't heard of him in a long time, but I was like, he's not one of the ones who died. Is, is he like
0: no. he's
2: still around and they're doing a um, animated Babylon 5 movie and he's coming back for
0: his. Role. Yeah. Yeah. OK, good.
2: But um, yeah,
0: you yeah. is no longer with us. Yeah.
2: No, he's still with us. It's um I, Andreas Skaskulus, this Jakar.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I thought Peter Jurassic died. Okay, man. No,
1: my bad. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, he's inevitably going to listen to this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's listening to it right now, going,
0: "You dumb fuck." <laughs> he's, he's one like, of
1: the he's it's one of the spies who listen to our live Skype calls.
0: He's like, he's like dabbing, like, you know, the napkin on his uh, mouth, like, you know, and he's like, that dumb son of a bitch. He thinks I'm dead.
1: He's like 12 years of listening in to these four randos Skype calls has finally (laughs) paid off. Uh,
2: But uh, I guess we're back to you, Michael.
1: Yes, sir. And uh, again, I'm I'm continuing a theme, although again, in a slightly different direction of uh, space sci fi. So. Here's my next pick. So, yeah, that's uh, the intro to Red Dwarf. Uh, uh. A uh, British uh, science fiction comedy series uh, taking place in space, and on um, you know, it's kind of a you know take on you know various shows we've already like seen in this episode so far, like you know Babylon Five, and uh, well, I mean this predates some of those shows. It's more of a take on like Star Trek and stuff. But uh, this is I picked like this season, the series, I should say, because it's, you know, they in British, it's like the series sevens intro, because this was the series where they switched to like digital, like like they, they they had been just like, you know, taping it. And this is when they finally like processed it digitally. So it looked a little better. And uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, I love Red Dwarf, like a friend of mine used to tape it off like the BBC and like we'd watch it and I used to laugh my ass off. I would track it down whenever like the. They would release new episodes, which were, I mean, it's different in like, you know, in in, in the UK. It's like they they just made a season whenever they felt like it, basically. So there could be like, you know, five or six years between like seasons or series or whatever. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I picked this one. I love it always makes me laugh when Crichton's head explodes. Like and I love like if you slow down the video, you can see the exact frame where his head becomes like a dummy head and it explodes and stuff. And that that always made me laugh. And uh, yeah, but like I've always loved Red Dwarf. Uh, I know like our absent fan, Brian's a huge fan of Red Dwarf, too. And I think, Tony, you're a big fan of Red Dwarf as well. So like, yeah, like I'm a big fan of this show.
0: Yeah, I I remember when I first saw Red Dwarf in the late 90s and we had the house I was staying at was a bunch of us would like just get together and I'd stay the night a couple of nights and then go back to my place. But uh, one of the guys had rented a Red Dwarf cassette from the library. And um, I watched the hell out of it. Uh, it was like I was there like a day or two and just I had to watch at least four times. It's just so fast paced and so funny. And, it, you know, and it's smart, you know, it's smart humor. And, uh, you know, I was just sitting there thinking while you're going over, I remember the first episode and like uh, Dave Blisher's walking around. The whole crew's been destroyed in an atomic accident except for him. You just walk around talking to the computer and he's like, everyone's dead. He's like, yes, Dave, they're all dead. Johansson dead. You know, like he goes through the whole thing. like even Rimmer. Yes, Dave, he's dead. It's like, they're all dead. Yes, Dave, they're all dead, dead. They all are dead. Dave, Dave, they are dead. (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's just, it's, 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 I can't even do it justice because the, the accents obviously help, but, uh, yeah, like you know, you're you're a you're a true smeghead, Michael, for picking this. It's it's, <laughs> and, it's a great show, and
1: like I, I love I love the theme song too. And the theme song actually has lyrics, which they sing like over the closing credits and stuff. So like I mean the the lyrics are really good too. So like yeah,
0: and it's really funny because the opening, like you 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 pick, like you said the later seasons, but the original opening is is the ending song, but slowed down and made to sound really kind of ominous and like galactic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like the later on, like the, the song became a little more lighthearted as they leaned more into comedy and stuff. But yeah, early on, it was a little more like epic in tone. I have well-documented emotional
3: baggage with Red Dwarf. Go back and listen to past episodes, but I'm, I'm happy that Michael likes this very much.
2: And this is a show I am not familiar with at all. I've had various people recommend this to me over the years, but I just I don't know. I've just never sat down and gave it a try I I know I should and it sounds like something I would definitely like but I just I don't know like whenever I sit down and watch something it seems like I always go to like an old favorite like you know Babylon 5 or Twilight Zone or you know X-Files again like I it's not that I'm like in the grumpy pants like hate everything new mode of Derek it's just like I'm like okay there's so many new things like what am I gonna like what am I gonna watch that's new to me? And I just sometimes it's overwhelming. I'm just like, oh, there's too many things. Oh, I'll just watch Angel again. Like screw it. But um, I one day I will sit down and I'll give Red Dwarf a try.
1: Yeah, I think I think Red Dwarf would really be up your alley, Justin. Like yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Derek. Then I think it's your turn.
3: All right, here we go. <laughs>
1: time I see reflection of you and me reflections of the way
0: life used to be reflections of the love you took from
3: me oh, that was my sort of genre pick for serious drama type thing uh, that was the season two opening of China Beach and it was a show I watched when it was coming on ABC um, and then I, I feel like this and my number one pick are, are shows that I revisited in reruns like during during the dark days in Los Angeles and they sort of got me through some tough times um, but also I guess you know the, the, the caliber of actors you know they had Dana Delaney and Robert Picardo and Mark Hellenberger and you know, trying to pick the right intro for this. Cause there, you know, there were a number of, there were four seasons. So there were a lot of different intros. And then there was like the kind of special intro for the TV movie versus the first season versus the second season and third and fourth seasons and everything like that. And I kind of wanted to pick an intro that had like some of my favorite characters, like Dodger is a really cool character and he's not as much of a role as he plays in the first season and the, uh tv opening movie like he's not given the you know it's like he's got one of those you know special credits it's like and you know uh so and so you know special guest or whatever so she, he doesn't get the you know kind of like you were talking about harmony like he doesn't get featured until until this uh, season intro and everything. So like there's basically there were reasons why I picked this particular one. And the fact that it's, it was one of the few that didn't look like absolute dog shit record off a television screen on YouTube or whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, I, I guess I like the show for a number of reasons, but it is, it is a really good drama. It is uh, something that I think I was stuck on because it, 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 I don't know. I feel weird to say this, but it it made me feel closer to my dad in certain ways. You know, like just trying to get more of an understanding of things, and and I feel like that's sometimes it might be silly or stupid because certain things that are dramatized and/or uh, you know uh, created, whether they're movies or or cartoons or books or comics or whatever. Uh, about the Vietnam war are uh you know not always uh 100% accurate and or faithful or whatever but this is something that my dad's rewatched a number of times so i don't i don't feel like it's uh, poser bullshit, I guess, is the best way to put it. So in, in that sense, like, like, I, I feel like I, I didn't waste my time watching it or whatever, you know, in, in an attempt to sort of gain some more understanding and everything, you know, aside from, you know, actually, you know, talking to the man and everything. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. This just, you know, for me, it has a lot of emotional connection. And and then, you know, I, the, the song is great. It's like a classic song from the era, you know, which probably caused uh, you know, like one of the reasons why this took forever to come out on DVD as you might imagine was tons of of rights issues with all the 60s music and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's there was that aspect and like that's something where, you know, I guess you can easily replace the theme song of fucking Dawson's Creek, right? Because it doesn't mean the whole shitload one way or the other, but with something like this, that's like a period piece. It's like you can't you know you can't put 9-inch nails in your fucking Vietnam drama. You know, uh, period <laughs> piece, right? Like you can't fucking swap that shit out, right? So, so you kind of had to either do it or not do it, right? So, anyway, I was I was glad they were able to release this on DVD. I do have all the seasons and everything, and uh, you know, I I got some good use out of it. My dad got some good use out of it because he he revisited it because uh, I let him use the DVDs too. Um, so, anyway, it's just uh, you know, qu- quality drama, quality series immediately stood out to me i knew i knew it was going to be one of the things i picked when we started talking about
2: this dude you're the man for picking this this was so you can't see me doing the little finger thing like i was so close to making this honorable mention because i like this show a lot too but i, I went with garth Marenghi because i was like garth Marenghi makes me laugh and it's obscure and there's only six right, episodes right, so right, right. i'll talk about that so like you're the man for
1: picking this.
3: Like, I mean, I mean, on 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 top of the whole, uh, you know, you know, Emmy Joe is hot. Like Dana Delaney and Mark Hellenberger are fucking hot. You know, so so there's that going for it too.
2: Dana Delaney is so good in this, but like, yeah. We, yeah. this is one of those shows I remember, like this and Twin Peaks, like when I was a little kid. I remember my parents were watching those shows, and like, whereas Twin Peaks seemed almost impenetrable to like a seven year old kid mm. like this was something that i could sit down and watch but it, it seemed like my memory is like sometimes i would get shooed away like if it was a more oh, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. adult or, or mm. intense mm. episode they'd be like, like why don't you go to your room and play and i'm like I, i'm watching this this is really interesting i sat down and rewatched this on dvd three or four years ago and yeah it, it, it's great
3: I mean, it's you know obviously like you you probably have to be in the right frame of mind. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's not it's not light viewing. You know, no. like it's not it's not uh, uh, I guess fun or entertaining or whatever. Right. This is I mean it's 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 definitely a, a serious drama. Like uh, the 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 other thing too is. Um, I feel like I was maybe like, you know, I I know it's funny to say, but, you know, you're talking about you might have gotten shooed away. Like, I feel like I was probably like twice your age by the time this first came on, if that makes sense. You know, so it's like it's like that that was one of those things where I think it didn't matter if it was Twin Peaks or. China Beach or whatever, I think by then it was kind of like, well, you know, like, I because I, I feel like by then it was like I was allowed to go to the video store and rent whatever crazy fucking Freddy movies I wanted. So <laughs> China, China Beach was not like, you yeah. know you know what I mean? Like that, that wasn't going to be like the deal breaker or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like part of it started as kind of like me just being a teenage boy and going, hey, look at Mark Hellenberger. She's hot, you know, but but it, it did turn into, you know, something
0: obviously much
3: much more uh, greater than that you know
0: um, i'm not really familiar with the show as far as a viewer <clears throat> i'm pretty sure when it was coming on i was still in the the mindset of, or the age where i was in my sci-fi i was in, in my 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 cartoons and you know i've never left that obviously but i i was very closed minded to anything dramatic because i usually thought it was dry or boring or whatever that whatever you want to call it and then I started watching, like, Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, I started watching, you know, shows like Law and & Order. And, you know, that eventually led me to, like, you know, stuff like uh, Breaking Bad stuff. So I actually gained an affinity for, like, really good drama. And I know a lot of people said this is a really good show. Um, that opening looked awesome. It it, it, it seemed to hold, to, you know, very true to the Vietnam, you know, imagery we've seen. And, uh, you know, like, footage from that time. Um and yeah and the Vietnam era is is like if you watch a show like Mash, they show the horrors of war and stuff of like that, but it is a comedy. I don't know if you could ever drop comedy into a Vietnam setting. It, it was it was so much worse than the Korean War. So like the gravitas is already established. You know it's already it's going to be fucking serious. And I do remember at the time when it was airing, even though I wasn't watching it, I remember it got like a lot of awards. A lot of people said it was like you know. The hottest show, like Watch China Beach, you know, like Dan Delay is a superstar, and and like all the acting is like top level, and and yeah, like you said, there's so many actors who either be, went on become big stars, or they're they're just really great character writers, like Robert Picardo, who yeah, shows yeah. up in everything, yeah, you know?
3: yeah, yeah. Robert Picardo's fantastic, Dan yeah. Delaney, you know, it, it, pretty much everybody on that show, you
0: know.
1: I, I think I'm secret brothers with Justin like I like I never watched the show but I, I'm pretty certain my parents would be watching it like on certain nights and stuff because I you know I would remember hearing I think it came on like when it was like you know near my bedtime or something because mm-hmm. I remember trying to go to sleep and I'd hear like reflections of like you know downstairs <laughs> or something like I, that that unlocks like deep memories within me like you know and stuff and like if I ever got up in the middle of the night to you know go into the parlor my My parents would be watching this or something. They'd be like, what's wrong? Yeah, like same as you, Justin. They'd be like, go back to bed. Like China Beach. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Go back to bed. Mark Hellenberger servicing her clients. We don't want you to see any of
1: this. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, this is a good awesome ass intro though yeah like you know really like i said, like you said like it it, it really sells like you know the atmosphere and i was gonna say like i know you're a huge fan of this show derek so like i you know and like it's always been a show where i was like you know what if this came out at a different time i probably would have loved it too but i don't know if i'll ever have a chance to like you know watch it or whatever but but yeah it
3: super cool intro though I think one of my favorite things was when we were talking about uh, Gundam and everything and then I I it, it almost fit perfectly. Like I slapped the song on oh, S yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. So and I was like I yeah. was kinda shocked how well it, it synced up. It fit, th- yeah, like dead perfect if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Derek, that was my idea. Don't howl an else in me over them. <laughs>
1: that was my <laughs> idea. Uh, I, I I'm like idea. I'm like
3: I'm like you I did the work. I, I implemented your idea I you think it was cool all right uh, Tony
0: you're up already this was probably known to be on my my list. Boy, a Bashir intro. Um, I'm sure you could tell by uh, Derek's exclamation. Uh, I did choose Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. I, I, I picked season six mainly because it had the the most of the cast, including Jadzia. Which I know Justin, I know you love Ezri, but I I, I I do like Jadzia more. I think Ezri's probably cuter, but I like think Jadzia is like had, had more time to be a character. I don't know. But uh, but it had like most of the characters, like Worf and everything. And I want to make sure I had the Defiant in the intro and uh, DS Nine is just I, I I'm one of those guys. I had Garrick in the critics, too. You know, I love I love me some Garrick. It's one of those shows where it's not just a good Star Trek show; it's a really good science fiction show. And you know, season six was like slap bang in the middle of the Dominion War. And just so much about the show that I, you know, can gush about. It started slow with me. The first couple of seasons are hit or miss. You know, pretty much after Avery Brooks shaves his head and grows his goatee out, you know, that's when we started getting really good. But uh, like Deep Space Nine, I think really honestly was like I watched Star Trek: Nisherage. And and I watched the original series. I watched a lot of the movies, and I liked them all. They were all enjoyable. I I, I wanted to see them. But D- DS9 at one point put his claws in me, and I just had to see what was going to happen next because I love the serialized nature of the show. The actors, uh, gosh, like I said, Avery Brooks, uh, Renee um, Armin Sherman, uh, Nana Visitor, you know, Terry Farrell, uh, Michael Dorn, Cole like the whole cast. I, I love the whole thing. I love the show. So, like I said, Justin probably had an idea this was going to be on here. But yeah, the DS9 is just like, to me some of the best Trek and some of the best science fiction you can
1: watch on TV. Yeah, I'm glad you picked this because, like, I I knew, like, when I picked that Strange New Worlds intro, I was like, well, someone else has got to pick another Star Trek intro. So, like, and I'm I'm sure I was I was throwing back and forth to which the first one would be. But, uh, yeah, like, thanks to you guys, like, I also have a deep love and affection for Deep Space Nine. Like, because, you know, I hadn't originally watched it. And then you guys, uh, you know, held me at gunpoint and made me watch a large chunk of it. So... Like, and I'm glad I did, because, yeah, like, I really like it. And I'm I'm glad I'm also glad, Tony, you picked like one of the later seasons. Didn't they add like an extra oomph to the song? Like, like in later seasons, like isn't the first few seasons, it's a little more like slower paced or less yeah. like epic. Yeah. Like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It feels yeah. very low energy. The first one, you're just like, oh, this could put me to sleep. But this is like the quicker paced and there's a lot more going on like you've got like ships going coming and going like it feels like an actual space station is open for business whereas there's like nothing going on but like one runabout or something
0: yeah, they definitely put some money in the budget
3: yeah <laughs> it's it's funny to me because i think the, the 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 star trek intros i think are things that are beloved and mostly because of the instrumental music, but then, you know, part of me comes back to, okay, it's, a space field with title cards, you know, like type thing. And and it is interesting to me because I can see why Tony picked the intro he did because he wanted to have, like, just the right title cards for his preferred snapshot era. And he wanted to make sure that not only was the, you know, the space station in the shots for the CGI, but that, you know, the Defiant was included as well. So, like, I'm sure there are things that, you know, intros for Star Trek stuff that mean more to people than others even with the the minutiae that's within those whether they're just uh you know a series of of title cards on a starfield or not so um but yeah that's uh, you know that's my only caveat i think that's probably why i stayed away from a bunch of star trek intros just because i was kind of like okay i like the music but um you know as far as panning around and 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 showing uh you know, credits like that—that that was something where I was like, "Okay, well, obviously there's a tasteful way to do it," and Deep Space Nine and and a lot of the other shows pull that off. But um, I guess that the visual aspect of it for me is a little less uh, interesting and/or uh, exciting.
2: It sounds like you don't have faith of the heart, Derek. Uh,
0: I <laughs> guess I guess I might not. You know,
2: faith of the heart.
0: What about you, Justin? I know you're a big D Space Nine fan. Do you have anything to really add or
2: I don't know what else I can add? I mean, D Space Nine is my favorite of the Star Trek shows. The hit or miss first two seasons, notwithstanding. And I do prefer Ezri, but this is your pick, so you can pick whatever the hell you want. <laughs> um but yeah, like I like I said, the first version of this intro was just it always felt very low energy. So when they picked up the, the tempo a little bit, you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then they added little ships coming and going. You're like, oh, man, this, this is so much better. It's so much uh, improved. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything else to add other than it's a you know, it's a really great intro from one of my favorite shows.
1: Oh, right. All right, Justin. Then I guess you're on the spot.
2: So my number two pick is the season three intro for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it's interesting. We were talking about like a TV show like picking up the pace for its intro because the first two seasons of Buffy had a similar intro, but from season three onward, they really picked up the pace. They kicked it in the high gear, and it's so much better. And I I went with season three because I. You know, I sat down last year and I rewatched all of Buffy and Angel. Season three is still my sweet spot for Buffy. Like, I think that's where a lot of my favorite episodes are. Some of my favorite characters come in, like Faith. And I I just like the visuals of this one the best. Like, you know, like little things like Buffy running down the hallway. When you get like the on-screen credit for Sarah Michelle Gellar, like when she's smiling, that's like. I oh, mean, that's like the thing that reminds you like why you like that character or maybe that actress. And then, you know, all the stuff for like Willow, It's like you know Alison Hannigan. It's like you got like her with the monkey and then, <laughs> and then you've got her to given like I think she's given Xander like the eyebrow raise in that little part of the opening. And then you got, you know, you've got Oz in the sequence, you know, and little things that I like that are edited, like really quickly. It's like you've got like just a little taste of like the sword duel between buffy and angel from like the season two finale which always that finale always left like a big impression on me but y'all i I think this is my you know season three is my sweet spot so this is why i went with uh season three for for this
1: yeah we're we're secret brothers here like i'm super glad you picked this because like much like x files i was like yeah, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm sending you a mental message. Like, Justin. like <laughs> I'll pick Angel and you pick Buffy. Like, and then like, I'm glad it worked out because I, yeah, like,
2: I got your new type signal. I heard, yeah, like, I was going to say we,
1: I went. I, <laughs> heard, like, I, heard,
2: I heard the little hoot owl thing. i like, oh, I'm like, oh, my sending me a message. You picked uh-huh. Buffy season three specifically. I'm like, message and, received.
1: Uh-huh. And like, yeah, the, season three of Buffy is my favorite season of Buffy. Um, It's when I started watching the show. I mean, and then like I remember like after that season, it like ended like I that summer I went and watched all the repeats of season two. So I got like all caught up on it and stuff. But uh, yeah, like I this is a great version of the intro. And again, like like you said, like Deep Space Nine, like this is the season where they picked up the tempo for the intro. And like, you know, it works so much better. It's got so much more energy to it um and in in again like you said uh this season introduces like a bunch of my favorite characters like Faith and Wesley and like, Anya and, and uh, yeah Anya and like yeah. you know An- Angel kind of settles into the way he'll be for his show basically yep. like and yeah like this is this is i think this is like Buffy at peak popularity too so like um, I, the only the only uh, like I, I was kind of like looking at Buffy intros, like the only thing I'd say from a later intro is I love I think it's the season five intro when spikes in the credits and they do that one shot of him in black and white when like, Xander's having the dream yeah. about him. And he does That's like the, like look at the camera like that cracks me up like, every <laughs> time. Yeah. Like yeah, Like yeah. But
2: when I was doing my uh, Buffy rewatch, like I don't I don't think I ever skipped any of the intros like even the you know we're we're kind of like throwing dirt on the season one and two openings a little bit i mean those are fine but i don't think i skipped any of the intros like it's like all right i'm going to sit down i'm going to watch a couple episodes of buffy tonight i don't think i ever skipped any of the intros once i'm just like it's just it's, it's part of the makeup for the show in my mind it's like there are some tv shows it's like no matter how into it you are or how much you love the show it's like Maybe it has a crappy intro and you're like, oh, skip that. Like, I want to get right to the show. But with Buffy, I'm just like, no, man, like the intro is part of the experience. Like, I got to watch that. Like, I'm like sitting there tapping my vein. I'm like, yeah, give me that Buffy season three intro. I got to have it.
3: I'm I'm super happy you picked this because this intro is cool as fuck. And <laughs> the music, especially what you're talking about, the the pick up the pace version of this intro music you don't want to skip it. It it gets you pumped. It gets you in the mood. You know what I mean? Like, like it, like this is, this is the best foreplay for watching an episode of Buffy is to watch the <laughs> intro, you know, like it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely, I'm, you know, and again, like, you know, it's something I thought of, but I, I wasn't going to pick myself, but I knew one of you knuckleheads was going to pick it. So I didn't have to worry about it.
2: The knucklehead is me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was pretty sure Justin was going to pick Buffy, but I didn't know which season. So uh, I was I was waiting to see which one he was going to go for. Um, yeah, the Buffy intros are all good. You know, the, you know, again, it depends on which characters you like and which ones you know appeal to you more. Like for me, example, I'm not a big fan of Dawn, Donnie, whatever you want to call her. I I just I don't know. I didn't like that season, but during uh her time there when spike had kind of become a regular cast member and he was kind of trying to be a good guy i always remember that one little clip they show in the opening of her riding on the back of the motorcycle with him riding it you know like (laughs) yeah it's like that that's his good guy moment you know like but yeah Buffy intros are always good the 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 music as the kids say nowadays slaps And, and also i like how to definitely give it like a little bit more kudos there's like that one part where the guitar is kind of shredding with it and it's right when Oz is shredding on the guitar. Yeah. yeah there's some really good editing in this. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Top choice. Top tiers are top tier.
1: Man, I'm glad you received my new type signal. <laughs> yeah. And now I guess it's back to me for my final pick. And uh, this is going to be a great transition. So like, uh, yeah, I think, this is and this is going to be a weird one because I think like with I've got both Derek and Tony on the show and I think I've picked the oldest opening like of the entire night possibly so uh, maybe like I don't know your number one picks but this might be the oldest opening credit so here we go. <laughs> So, yeah, I picked uh, the opening credits to the Three Stooges, like the classic lineup with Curly. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not much of an opening credits like things. It just has like the title card and it has like, you know, their music and whatever. But, uh, you know, I used to love the Three Stooges. Like I my dad used to play these like for me all the time. And it's funny because the one I like the intro I picked, it actually is the title card for one of my favorite episodes of the Three Stooges, like Disorder and the Core. And like yeah, so like I was happy to have found that one, but uh yeah, like I mean, they, I mean like I said, it's not much of an intro, but like like you know, there are three little faces, like the music, it all makes me laugh. Like uh, the Three Stooges is something that like makes me laugh, like no matter what, and uh you know I've always loved them, and uh, yeah, so I mean it's like I said, not super complicated, but yeah, like I, I'm I'm I love you know they, they they've had a bunch of different theme songs, but this is probably my favorite one, so. You out old to this? No, just I win. You win. Um, I, I,
0: don't no, I, I don't. Well, let me let me rephrase this. I'm not like the biggest Three Stooges fan, as in like there's people out there who devour it and they're like, you know, they consider themselves experts on like you know whether it's Shimp or Curly Joe Besser or you know Curly or whatever. That same note, I, I can honestly say I've never watched this Three Stooges episode, uh, like clip or or short or whatever that I didn't laugh at. There were there was always something they did that just was like oh, okay that's fucking silly and hilarious, um yeah three stooges is, is 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 you know that does fall into iconic again, the the music fits the vibe you know like we we were talking about how like Buffy gets you amped up <clears throat> gets you ready for some like you know vampire slaying when you hear the three stooges you you know like something stupid's gonna happen you're you're ready for the 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 morons to get into trouble you know like you know like you just said knucklehead it's like yeah knucklehead you know it's just yeah 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 yeah. why you you know (laughs) wise guy eh it's yeah it it, you you know what you're getting but you don't care because you you, what you're getting is what you want you know you know you're getting and you're ready for it so yeah yeah no that's 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 definitely like an out of left field choice but yeah no that's 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 an awesome pick definitely
2: yeah, I feel like you're almost like a madman for picking this because this is, you know, like Conan, this is not something I would have e- even considered. But um it's a great pick. I wanna say like for th- three, three and a half years, like it was my uh Saturday routine to like go to my uncle's and watch the three stooges on me TV for like two hours. And like that's that's what we would do for like our our Saturday thing. Like I would go over there and watch that and this is one of my favorite uh shorts too you know this is the one where it's like to try to get curly to take the stand and it's like take off your hat raise your hand <laughs> take off your hat raise your hand
1: my favorite yeah. bit is when uh, they're they're pl- like they're recreating like the band, like the night of the murder or whatever, when they're doing their whole like musical bit. And like Larry, it's like the judge's to pay off yeah. with a slide. And he's like, ah, tarantula. and then <laughs> Mo takes like the bailiff's gun and shoots She's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, this this makes perfect sense. I think I think you're part wise guy and part mad genius for picking yep. it. So.
1: All right, Derek, then you're up for your last pick.
3: So kind of along the same lines, we've got, uh, you know, I I did sci-fi, I did superhero, I did drama, and and now I'm doing basically uh, my favorite comedy intro.
1: Come and knock on our door.
3: So that is the season two syndicated kind of short version of Three's Company. And uh, I love Three's Company. Three's Company is probably one of my favorite comedy sitcoms or whatever. And again, kind of like China Beach in a completely opposite direction. Whereas, you know, China Beach, you basically went through emotional turmoil and cried your eyes out and all that kind of stuff like this was uh, you 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 laughed until you cried type thing like oh uh, you know I, I watched this when i was a kid and laughed and then i i watched it you know in my 20s in reruns and um i don't have the whole thing on dvd but i think i have like a season or two or whatever back when they were just releasing them individually as seasons and stuff like that uh I mean, I don't know. It, it feels weird to say, but I always I, I'm always tempted to uh pick shows that I feel like I have a a, a lived in connection to because, you know, Santa Monica. I mean, I, I, I lived in Playa del Rey, so I mean, it wasn't like, you know, crazy far from the beach and all that stuff. So, I mean, in some ways that kind of reminded me of me. I was the jackass. Uh, you know, riding around on my bicycle, falling over when, when hot chicks walked by and all that stuff. So I can I can relate to that. Like that was me at some point. And um, you know, I've been mean, just in general, it's like, you know, it was always a fun show and um, you know, always brought a smile to my face. So that's kind of why this was kind of my number one pick.
0: I I like the season you picked too, because like personally I'm a Mr. Furley fan, but I am a Suzanne Summers fan too. It's tough. They, right? It's very Yeah, funny. they never intermingled, yeah. Yeah. Like cuz I think by the time he came around it was like Chrissy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you just, you got to you got to pick your 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 poison and well, sorry Mr. Don Nuts, I will pick Suzanne Summers over you any day. <laughs> no, this like oh like it, it's really funny cuz like in later years now people have really become have really come to respect John Ritter uh who was also in buffy um
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> for his his uh slapstick comedy prowess like he was he was excellent at, at taking a fall and 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 you know oh you see it in the beginning he falls off his bike you know it, it it's it's a show of its time and and uh, you know a lot of people today wouldn't really get it but back in the day you know it was kind of taboo for men and women to live together if they weren't married you know yeah yeah you know, it was it was considered, yeah. You know, like, oh, wait, whoa, what are you heathens doing? You know, so oh, that, yeah, that's, it was. That's
3: yeah. why I was always going on about uh Dick Grayson and Starfire living in infamy. Like people don't understand. Like that was that was a big deal, <laughs> too. You know, like so, right? Anyway.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and, and also the music is really good. It, it oh my god, the music is so seventies. It's not even funny. You know, just the. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. you. Could, yeah, it's either the 70s or it's about to be a porno, you know, either way. Um uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, like I have fond memories of Three's Company. Like I remember when I was growing up as a kid, it was like Three's Company, Happy Days and uh like Different Strokes. Like those were the shows I watched all the time.
2: I feel like I watched a lot of Three's Company and Charlie's Angels like in the mid to late 90s on, I don't know, TBS or something. So like, see, I haven't. I haven't revisited Three's Company in a long, long as time, but you know, watching this intro again kind of like gives me a little bit of nostalgia.
1: Yeah, I think they used to again. They must they must have played this on like Nick at Night or something because I remember watching repeats of this when I would sleep over at my grandma's house. But I, I never really watched it regularly. But yeah, like I mean. Uh, like I know, John, like Tony said, John Ritter is like well known for his like physical comedy and stuff, and this perfectly demonstrates that. when mm-hmm. He like falls off the bike. I mean, so, they, they, like, they even even though there were multiple
3: intros for multiple seasons, like they always tried to work in some kind of physical gag, whether he's falling off the bicycle or they they went to the Santa Monica Zoo one time and he was like falling off the the railing there. You know, they they were always trying to come up with some physical hijinks for him to get into in any of these intros
1: yeah and like you know i'm not obviously you know 70s sitcoms are not a subject i'm like too well versed on but like if you ask me like you know three's companies like beam song of course i know what it is like it's one of those ones that everyone associates with like three's company like so like you know come in not going you know so yeah but uh i guess uh tony what's your final pick
0: um for my final one, I, I actually did kind of try to, as Derek did, kind of run through a whole different kind of genre journey, you know, try to pick something kind of different from each other's. You know, I had I had my, my family sitcom, I had my horror spooky show, I had my adrenaline, you know, action TV show, I had my science fiction show. This one breaks all the genres that I know of and It's probably one of my favorite shows of all time. So let me cue it up. In the not
2: too distant future, next Sunday, AD, there was a guy named Joe. Nothing different from you or me. He worked at Gizmonic Institute, just another face in a red jumpsuit. He did a good job cleaning up the place, but like I can certainly shot him in the space. We'll send cheesy movies
0: it's the worst we can find we'll have to sit and watch them all and we'll his mind. all right um that was the intro to mystery science theater 3000 i picked that show because uh as mike had said earlier about conan o'brien influencing a lot of his comedy mst3k totally is my kind of humor obscure references like off the cuff stuff you know I, I know they write it but they watch the movie first and they make the jokes and then they write down the jokes it's it's just like my kind of humor you know it's watching something and making fun of it and that's why i said it made its own genre riffing has become kind of its own thing now and i picked season two intro because i am a joel guy i know justin is more of a Mike guy it's okay but also, season one had like Larry or something like that, who was this guy with black hair and glasses, and he just wasn't that good. He was a uh, Doctor Forrester sidekick. I will always be a TV's Frank uh, guy, and um, the show just made me laugh out loud. It made me laugh so much now that when I watch reruns, it's more for nostalgia because I can't laugh anymore because I laughed my brains out already. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just tops in
1: my book. I'm I'm so glad you picked this because I this was something I considered, but I was like, you know what? I think Tony and Justin are bigger fans of this than I am, so I'm sure one of them is going to take it, pick it, and like, yeah, like you. Like I love it's like the the theme song. It it always makes me laugh because like the especially the bit. It's like you know if you're asking how he like you know breeds and (laughs) eats. Like shut the fuck up, nerd. Like you know basically like you know like I love. Doesn't
3: matter if the science works or not, Linkara. Uh
1: So suck it. yeah but yeah i, I love this intro like and i i don't i i I don't know a whole lot about mystery science theater but whenever they'd have a marathon or you know anything like much like the Twilight Zone, I'd always watch like you know episodes of it so yeah great pick
0: yeah I dig
3: it it's a fun show i and and i you know yeah I appreciate the part in the intro where they talk about science not uh you don't need to think about it that hard. They're just giving you the setup and the premise and everything, which, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, they hate him so much, they launched him into space. I mean, you know, it's like, come on. You you know what you're getting into. Like, it's not, you know, don't think about it too hard, right? Or else it's going to fall apart.
2: La, la, la. Exactly. Yeah, this is a great pick, Tony. Like, this is one of my favorite shows, too. It, it is true. I'm more of a Mike guy, but, like, I I... I I do have a lot of fond memories of watching those early seasons on Comedy Central and, you know, just the idea of a, you know, two hour show that makes fun of old movies was like just such a weird and radical thing. I think it took some getting used to. And then I remember going to school and telling a friend about it. And he was like, So what? They just sit there and make fun of the movie the whole time? And I was like, Yeah, and it's great. And he was not sold on it. I mean, the lyrics crack me up too, and I, I like um, the la 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 and everything and all that. I mean, it, it's a great series, a great show. You know, it always makes me laugh. It's like I've got, you know, I've got like a list of my favorite episodes that I go to and rewatch them occasionally to, you know, tickle the old funny bone. But, but yeah, I'm glad you picked this, Tony.
0: the The, the other reason I picked this because it has
1: one of the various versions of Cambot, and I like that version the best because <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> All right, Justin, I think uh, you will close this out. What is your final pick?
2: All right. So I couldn't find an isolated version of this on YouTube. So what I'm about to send you, watch from like a minute and 34 seconds and then stop at like 2.17. So my number one pick is the original intro theme song for Unsolved Mysteries and I guess when I say original I mean like the one like 90% of people on the planet are think of like the, the classic like spooky version because they tried to improve it over the years and it was never ever as good and they ended up doing like some kind of like techno sounding piece of shit later on that was fucking awful but um This is the music people are thinking of when they're like, man, that show, like, creeped me out, especially that music. Like, this is the music they're talking about. And I was one of those kids that was creeped out by this music. It's so, I don't know, it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. Like, you you know, you want to talk about, like, TV shows that get you, like, psyched up or, like, you know, they prepare you for what you're going to watch. Like, you know, X-Files has the spooky music. Tales from the Crypt whatever. Like, This has the spooky music. To me, this is like the ultimate like spooky music to like get you like in the zone for what you're about to see because it's it could be anything from week to week. It could be like, you know, this segment is going to be UFOs. The next segment is going to be we think this husband killed his wife, but he says otherwise. And then the next segment could be like, you know, some guy like looking for his four lost siblings. And then the next segment could be like Bigfoot. It could be anything. It could be like lost treasure. I mean, this is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. One of the reasons is it introduced me to so many things that I would be fascinated with, like the disappearance of Amelia Earhart, the Zodiac killer. Like I remember watching the Zodiac killer sequence in this, and like it's so creepy because it shows like you know these two teenagers are like beside of a lake, they're having a picnic, they're laying on a blanket, and then st- strolling into camera is this guy and this bizarre get-up of, like, it looks like almost, like, a bag on his head, but he's got, like, glasses on top of the bag, and he's got, like, you know, like, a, a crosshair sight painted on his chest or something. It's so, it's such a bizarre thing, and the way it's shot and narrated and the music, it's so terrifying. Like, that legit, like, freaked me out as a kid. And what's even freakier is when you realize, like, this actually happened. Like, this isn't just, like, some crappy costume from like a tv show or something like someone actually put this on and murdered people other things about the show like you know buried treasure like all these other like weird things like i think my love of true crime came from the show because i mean i was super into ufos and paranormal stuff so i dug all that but i was also into like the true crime stuff you know like i said it's like there's so many cases on the show where it's like we think this guy like murdered his wife and he's going to be on camera and defend himself. And nine times out of 10, you can tell the guy is like selling you a bunch of bullshit. You're like, at the end of the segment, you're like, this guy murdered his wife. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, why is he still running around? Well, we don't have enough evidence. I don't know. It it sounds, maybe it sounds kind of weird to say it, that it had such a big influence on me, but it did. And it's only within the last like three or four years that the show has been available. Like, in the early days of YouTube, people would upload segments or whole episodes, and they would get, like, struck down, like, within hours sometimes. And there were, like, best-of DVDs, but those were, like, hard to find, out-of-print, super expensive, and, you know, it, it, it's only the last few years that, like, they've made the show available. Like, I think it's on, like, almost every streaming service. It's, it's weird. It went from, like, not being available, period, to like you can watch this on tubi pluto peacock youtube like you can watch it all, just about anywhere and it's great you know last year i had some time on my hands you know i was taking care of my grandmother and you know she would watch her show she would watch you know bob ross and old episodes of the price is right and bill beverly hillbillies but like you know in the later evening like i would just sit there and Take care of her, and I would flip it over. To Unsolved mysteries, and watch you know whatever random episode they were playing on Pluto. But but yeah, like this is one of my favorite TV shows ever. I don't know that I've ever even got to talk about Unsolved Mysteries on this podcast. I mean, it's it's weird. It's like you know I'm throwing uh, shade at Derek for constantly bringing up some of his old favorites, but I don't know that I've ever got to talk about Unsolved Mysteries on the podcast, and I'm happy to do so finally. We, we
1: just we just couldn't deal with it now. No. <laughs> uh, I'm like you. You had me at Ultra Magnus,
2: Robert. Yeah, Robert Stack.
1: Yeah, I, I used to catch like repeats of this like from time to time. And you're right, just like you know, like I said, hard copy and stuff. Like some of this stuff would have freak. Like as a kid, would freak me out, and I'd have nightmares about it because the way they they shot it in such a like you know ominous way. Or like you know, like make me letting your imagination do the work sometimes, and yeah, like it was a very effective show, and like and, and like I, I, I think I would only catch random repeats, but I mean, it just if it's widely available, like you said, it does seem like something I'd eventually like revisit, maybe. And, and Robert Stack was really good at it because like just his his way of doing
0: it, like you know, him in his trench coat would be like Jackie Smith left her house one day to go for a routine trip to the grocery store. Little did she know
1: it was the last time her family would ever see her. (laughs) Yeah. It was like super ominous and yeah, like foreboding. uh Yeah.
0: And the, and the theme song is, is like, yeah, like said, Justin, it's like, it's, it's, I think one of the reasons why it's so creepy is it's very minimalistic. You know, it's just like, a little bit of bass and just that piano, like, you know, just like, you know, it the shivers up your spine.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the, um, the little montage of clips, like, I didn't specifically pick, you know, this one, but, like, the little montage of clips was constantly updated, you know, based on whatever cases they had. I think probably the most famous one is, like, there's the exploding church segment, which is a really interesting case, but, like, they, they used, I mean, they blew up a real church and they used that, like, they, they got their money's worth out of that, man. Like, they used that exploding church in the, the opening uh, montage for several years, I think.
0: Right, it was wasn't that right after, like, Conan jumped into the Hudson, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, Conan,
2: Conan jumped out of the exploding church into the Hudson. <laughs> and he surfed he surfed on his desk out of the Hudson. <laughs>
0: that's one of those shows that like you can't really talk about because like you can have your favorite stories from it but you can't really say like favorite episodes because it was always new it was always fresh there was always something different like you know like you might have an episode with like buffy where like you know buffy's fighting uh the master for season one and like throughout the whole season has to do with the master but like yeah like i said with unsolved mysteries it's like one week is like you know a housewife goes missing for 20 years the so next week uh Joe Lambugo gets abducted by aliens or did he? You know, it was like, it's like always something different, yeah. You know?
1: I was gonna say like Gartha Marengi carried a plastic baby out of the exploding church.
3: <laughs> 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 uh, I remember watching stuff like this. I, I feel like I probably like auditioned for shows like you know because it was like there were there were things where like you know the the reenactment segments and stuff like that like I remember going to downtown and like there were things where they were like oh yeah this is gonna be like you know I forget exactly what it was but it's like oh it, it's like somebody thought they saw a ghost and you're gonna be you know whatever I you know I forget the exact details like of things like that but i i, I think I think it was one of those things where it's funny because like you know stuff isn't real but but sometimes like that's where you really either not only do you see the sausage get made but you're potentially part of the sausage making and it like really like you're like oh yeah like people have to you know people have to pretend to reenact these unsolved mysteries you know what I mean like and you're like oh yeah that's right like they, they they don't just magically get to film the Zodiac killer like somebody has to pretend to be him you know like yeah. that thing you know what I mean and and so it's like one of those things where that kind of stuff finally clicks with you and you're like oh yeah hey that's that's right and um, you know yeah I mean I, I, I think definitely Robert Stack has an iconic voice for a reason and that's why they have guys like him you know Host and narrate these shows and put a face to what's going on, sort of, you know. And there's somebody you can key in on and and kind of uh, cling on to while they they tell you some of these things, whether they're fascinating and or creepy, you know. So, but um, I mean, I get it. The the music, you know, like definitely like iconic and you know certainly uh, evokes that kind of like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna find out something and they're gonna tell you like. Uh, you know, secrets, you know, like, and it kind of kind of gets you all excited like you're going to, you know, you're going to learn something that nobody else knows, even though like 20 million people are watching the same TV show. You know, so it's kind of funny. But yeah, no, I, I, it's, you know, it's good stuff. I, I, I get I get the nostalgia for it. Like I get I get why it's something that, uh, you know, w- would be on your list of favorites and everything.
2: Hey, man, Matthew McConaughey was on a segment of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, everybody
3: everybody, everybody had to get their start somewhere. Yep,
2: got to start somewhere. And um, the woman who played Larry David's wife on Curb Your Enthusiasm, like she was on a segment too.
1: Who did Matthew McConaughey play? The all right, all right, all right killer? <laughs> he, <laughs>
2: <laughs> he played a teenage boy who was murdered by a pervert who took off his pants in front of some little kids.
3: All right! All right! All right! Oscar-winning material. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a step up to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre
0: remake, right? The, what was that? The New Generation or whatever the hell that movie was called. What part am I reading for? A uh, teenage victim. All right! All
1: right! All right! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! My pants!
0: <laughs> My pants! <laughs> oh. And the real question, Justin, is: Was it a real or was it a was it a fib? <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> I, I do the the oh, yeah, the, the, need the Jonathan Fikes to come in after yeah, <laughs> yeah Robert Stack and say, "Is he telling the truth?" Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> pure fiction damn it it's fiction damn it it's fiction damn it we made it up damn it we made this one up damn it it's a made-up tale damn it well that was good like i'm surprised we had like no real like secret brothers like yeah, uh yeah so, like we I, managed to dodge and weave around any potential conflicts so
3: yeah. i think i think we just know each other too well yeah
1: awesome all right well uh derek then why don't you uh, close us out Even a
3: two-year-old could tell you that this is the end of the podcast, and if you want to check out more podcasts from the proper show, you can go over to fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. If you want to send us emails, either angry or, or, or happy emails, maybe you want to tell us what your favorite TV Western U.S. intros are. You can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the hearts, shares, and likes that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Beautiful. So this is Mike uh, jumping into the Hudson. This is Derek, Derek W.C.,
0: signing off.
2: This is Justin signing off.
0: This is Tony, and whoa, I got commercial sign.
1: Are you
3: hosting this, Mike?
1: Am I hosting Yeah, I'll, I'll host it. Okay. Since I invented uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> reaction shows.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> just like I invented honorable Hon- mentions. Honorable mentions. Credit where credit's due. They got to have like a Oppenheimer type movie about me. Like he created honorable mentions. <laughs> Michael Heimer. I have become honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs>